This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Wow, Pac-12 football. I'm fired up this morning, David Woods. Well, after watching such incredible games, especially the nightcap. Holy cow. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty bad week, uh, Pac-12 football. But we got a really good week coming up, so that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, a bunch of good teams on buys. Um, you know, there was some weird stuff going on. It's a, it's Pac-12. It's weird. Yep. We had Pac-12 refs. We had all kinds of. It was you know kind of a quintessential Pac-12 uh, weekend. A potpourri of poo. There was much poo. You know the pre-poo spray you mm-hmm. have to get. Like uh, I don't know if that really works, but. I like it's like pre-poo. Like you don't yeah. don't wait till the poo's there and then you spray and like try to cover it. This I didn't. Like, I'll, I'll uh, fully divulge. I didn't spray anything when I was in there. Just oh yeah, it was just in my bathroom. And now it's yeah. like that. It was very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you want to get us uh, some emails, you guys are really emailing the crap out of us, which is great. We love it. Packedoffpodcast at gmail Send us your emails. I'm lucky. I mean, Dave, we have to do two shows a week. Otherwise, we wouldn't get through all the emails. There's like so much to do. That's right. Uh, you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. We got a voicemail for you today. Uh, it's a different one. Uh, not our usual suspects. Uh, Twitter, at Pac12Podcast. And the website is Pac12Podcast.com. If you have that little Apple podcasting app on your iPhone, just uh, you know, go down there and say, hey, this is the podcast champions. I want to follow it, which means subscribe and then leave us a five star rating and then write whatever you want about it. You could like put a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. We don't care, but leave us that five star rating and we love it. We have six new reviews. You're freaking kidding me. First Do, one. Are we giving anything away? What happened? No, people just love us. Uh, first one from Key Lime 503. It's a five star review. Pet care. My dog is getting very old and recently getting her to eat anything has become a big chore. One of our go-to methods is to put a video of dogs, squirrels, or goats on the TV. Once she sees them on TV, she starts barking angrily at them, thinking they are a threat to steal her food, and angrily starts eating before they can get to it. Tonight, I had the not-simulcast simulcast of this podcast on the TV, and all of a sudden, the dog started barking at these two guys and angrily eating the food she had refused to eat all day. So anyways, thanks for the assist. Five-star service would use again. 
I love it. This is a uh, so this is the second person uh, who's watched us on TV. My brother being the other one because he sent me a picture of watching the podcast on his TV. Yeah. Um, how many of you sickos are out there doing that? Yeah, let us know. You want us sure. big? You want our faces big? Is that what you want? Um, so that's one. Okay. <clears throat> uh, this is Taker of Worlds, five stars. Update from Colorado. Dave M. from Colorado here. Been listening for quite some time. Really enjoy the show. Apologies for so much awful football, 2016 accepted, from Colorado over the years. Sad that the CU admin finally got serious about supporting the program just in time to see the Pac-12 implode. Mm. As a long-suffering, loyal alumnus and season ticket holder, you have no idea how surreal the past nine months has been since Coach Prime was announced. Tough to see the four schools off to the Big Ten, grew up UCLA fan in SoCal, both parents alumni, and we are off to the new Big 12. Honest, I honestly think we will be able to make some real noise there immediately while the four new Big 10 schools may struggle a bit, mainly because of so much extra travel and a higher floor of competition across the board. Poor Olympic sports, oh well. But hey, the extra money, right? Anyway, keep up the good work and I will continue to listen in even if you keep if you keep this going past the 2023 season. Go Buffs. That's a nice one. That was very nice. Yeah. Uh, this is a five-star review from Dave, four kids, dad. Uh, Pac-12 podcast. David and Irving are okay as hosts, I guess. As a native Gundoian, I miss the airplane departure noises in the background that used to be heard before Irving would venture out of ES for the YouTube version of this podcast. Please find a way to continue this podcast after the Pac-8, 10, 12 disbands. Love okay. it. Uh, RIP this conference, five-star review. Five years later, been listening to this ferociously mediocre show for five years, but never got around enough to write a review despite 50% of the show begging for them. One star for each year. Keep up the good work. Please cover the current Pac-12 teams going forward. No one needs a recap of the Illinois-Nebraska game this week. It's a fair point. Fair point. Uh, this is from Really Dumb Idiot, five-star review. Um, I didn't write this. Okay. Uh, football. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Uh, love the show. Some Somehow it took all this recent conference weirdness to find the best Pac-12 podcast. Oregon grad and lifelong Pac fan here from Portland. Did you see that Mario Cristobal forgot that you can knee the ball at the end of the game again on Saturday night? You'd think that would be a one-time mistake after the Oregon-Stanford game from 2018, but somehow no. My big question is, has there ever been a bigger dodging of a bullet in college football than Oregon losing Mario to Miami? He would have kept recruiting well enough to keep winning eight plus games every year, so I doubt we would have ever been he would have ever been fired. But his fatal flaw of being so clueless and inept during the actual games sort of always held us back would have always held back the ceiling of his teams. I guess the only contender I can think of is Oklahoma losing Lincoln Riley to USC, but I'm young, so my historical knowledge is shallow on the topic. Keep up the good work and go ducks. We'll talk more about that later. Yes. Uh Musio, five stars. <clears throat> uh subject client, five stars. But soft what sound through yonder podcast breaks. It is the East, and Big Ten is the sun. Arise, fair Sue, and kill the envious pack, that thou Big Ten art more lucrative than thee. Forgive me the feeble Shakespeare humor, but the five minutes I invested into writing it while watching Love is Blind is already more effort than David put into show prep. If only Ryan took a day off from traveling every now and then to do the actual hard work, I might have to rate this Big Ten cast at six stars. Anyway, keep up the good work and can't wait for coverage of USC at Minnesota and Rutgers at UCLA or whatnot next season. Here's to the pack going out in a frenzy of self-inflicted losses in one final blaze of glory. Go Bruins. All right. Lovely reviews. Wow. Everyone. Those are amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. We appreciate you very much. And that was like in the last five days because we just did a show like five days ago. So Yeah. Um, 
uh, we've got somebody in the chat saying that they have watched it on TV as well. I put that up. That was Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, he said uh, they're embarrassed about it. Yeah, I would be too. I would be too. Um, but they won't do it again, so don't worry. So yes, thanks, you Cam. Will. Yes, you will. Um, yeah, biggest short round says biggest dodge bullet is Alabama getting Saban instead of Rich Rod. Yeah. Uh, let's just talk about the crystal ball thing here, too. Um, okay. So if you were just a Pac-12 follower, you may have missed this, but it is one of the most glorious meat-headed blunders I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Uh, Miami has played a close game, as, as a team does, as a really good team does. They were laying a stinker at home, but they were prepared to win the game. Uh, I think yeah. it was up 2017 with uh, mere seconds. It was, I think, 33 seconds left on the clock when he elects to run a play and actually run the ball rather than just knee the ball out. Georgia Tech was out of timeouts. On that play, uh, they fumble. Maybe they don't fumble. It's hard to tell on the replay. Like, it was one of called on the field of fumble. You deserved the fumble. Hard to be overturned, and also you deserved it. Like, karmatically, you deserved it. Georgia Tech then, in two plays, uh, scores the go-ahead touchdown, ruining Miami's undefeated season. Cristobal has done that exact thing another time, and he has made a habit since of almost never kneeing the ball out when he is up big yeah. or up any amount at the end of a game. He they just continues plays. to run plays. He is the dumbest person <laughs> coaching right now. And yes, I did watch Jed Fish coach on uh, Saturday with a massive TBI. Uh, Cristobal, so we were calling this at the time. That review really underscored it. But I, I remember distinctly saying, why are you extending this guy, Oregon? I mean, he recruits, but that's it. He's lost to, I don't, countless games with his dog shit game management. Why would you ever be upset about losing him? Um, and there were some Oregon fans who I think were on board with that. And there were some Oregon fans who were, you know, I, I think our man Hithliday was a big crystal ball guy. And he he, he, he cautioned me against con- constantly comparing him to uh, Jim Mora from UCLA. Yeah. But like, they're the same guy. They recruit and then they're dumb. That's it. Uh, and he is dumb and he does still recruit. I think they picked up a four-star receiver within minutes of that play. Um, yes. But anyway, Miami did something very, very stupid um, and it actually eclipsed what Jed Fish did on Saturday. Yeah. It was pretty, his, uh, Chris Ball's first time, the Stanford game, was it 2018 or whatever, wasn't as bad. Like you would have had to like do a few things to like run the clock out. This was like you only needed to take a knee. Like there was no literally that was the only thing that needed to happen. Yeah. I think you might have had to like have the quarterback move around a little bit if I remember that. Well and I don't remember the circumstances, but there was something with the Auburn game too where he massively mismanaged the clock at the end of the game. Just he's a dummy. He's a dummy and he should not be in charge of end game scenarios. He should be um, the head coach, recruiting manager, rah rah guy. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, we got to get to. There's only four games to recap, but I want to go over. We did our um, survival pool picks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, both David and I took USC. We How'd that uh, work out? One and zero, baby. That's all that matters. <laughs> barely advanced. Uh, yeah, it didn't look good for a while. Um, so we had 355 total entries. Last week into week five, we had 84 and 76 people survived. So we're getting it on. We're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Um, the week six winners, uh, most people picked USC or Colorado. We had some Oregon State. One person took UCLA. And the losers uh, were three people taking Arizona State. So they gave it a shot, but no. And then uh, three people took Washington State. Two people didn't pick. 
Uh, and no duplicate picks this week. So yay for that. Yeah. Um, of the 76 remaining players, 35 have picked neither Stanford uh, nor Arizona State. So good luck with that one. I think I took Arizona State one week. Yeah. We did, yeah. So like, but we just have Stanford like for later. Um, and then in the category of playing it way too safe, there's still one player, Justin, who has thus far taken none of Stanford, Arizona State, Cal, or Arizona. He's still alive, unlike Matthew, but undoubtedly screwed. Just two more weeks before this got, this gets ugly. Uh, thanks, Matthew, for compiling all of that fun stuff. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll do our picks, um, I guess, later. Uh, we'll do those on Thursday. So we're going to plan to do Thursday, 9.15, for our live show. Um that's the plan as of right now. So, uh, cool. All right. Well, let's do our. Oh wait, we have uh, we have some news regarding Washington Huskies. <laughs> They've got a new AD. Yeah. Uh, Troy Dannon. Tulane. Tulane. Yep. He's done a pretty good job there. I think it's a good hire. Who the hell knows on AD hires? But. Yeah. Uh, you know, Willie Fritz has done a good job there. He's kind of maintained continuity there. So, cool. I When you do that, they're like, oh, this guy was an AD. And they didn't, ha- like, you know, be covering USC for so long. Like, oh, you didn't hire Warren Moon? Okay, good. <laughs> you know, like, oh, he, he was an AD. You, did, you didn't hire Brock Heward? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. He's an AD. Or she's an AD. <laughs> Whatever. Not, oh, they know something about the, you know, they played football there or something. Yeah. So, I feel like you hire someone that's done their job before. Uh, Tulane's been, you know, one of the better group of five schools. Boom. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, so good for uh, UW on that one. Uh, we're going to get into our picks and everything. And I want to let you know, you know, this wasn't a good week for me, but when your money's on the line, you want to choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win, like my bookie. At my bookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down, you can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side, use my bookie for daily odds, boosts, same game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests. Plus, my bookie has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw really quick. So, if you use the promo code, this is our promo code only, PAC12, on your first deposit, you can receive up to $200 in cash. That's promo code PAC12 to claim your own cash bonus. Now, try Mookie, the my bookie money bag. To grab a potential Super Bowl front runner at long shot odds plus thirty eight thousand on the Eagles or Chiefs, you won't find odds like that anywhere else. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. That was a beautiful read. Thanks. Gorgeous. First, first time through. Sometimes the first time through is a little. It was gorgeous. I don't know. Do you, just kind of. I, I. I mean, I didn't go to journalism school or anything. You just kind of like figure this stuff out. You just roll through. Just roll. Gorgeous. Kind of roll through the stuff. Um, all right, we got to do our. Um, Pac-12 Roundup. So we got some new power rankings, uh, which I think you guys will enjoy. Uh, I probably put some stuff in there. David made some tweaks. Makes sense. I feel like the bottom's fairly established. <laughs> yes. And, and the, the top two is very established. I think it's established right now, yeah. And then the middle, there's like, it's sort of like transitive property all over the place. So By far. the transitive property, no one is number three. Yeah. Um but we'll see. So there, I mean, the rubber's going to meet the road here for some some teams. So we'll see. Uh, we got a little information from this last week, uh, but we'll kind of go uh, for it. Oh, by the way, if you are watching us on our 
simulcast on uh, YouTube. Appreciate that. Oh, we got like 80 people in there. Yeah, baby. On a Tuesday morning. Um, if you put your comments up there, I can put them up on the screen when I'm not talking because I have to like kind of pay attention to that stuff. And if you want a question, put a star. I mean, put a put question there and I will star it and come back to it um, later. So uh, we will kind of do all that stuff. All right. Let's go through our uh, recap. Our number 12 team. Stanford Cardinal. Probably their best week of the year. Yeah, I thought they really um, they really showed us some things. Yeah, uh, bye week. Yeah, for for Stanford. So, so we had a lot of good teams on bye weeks, and then and then Stanford. And then Stanford was. Yeah. All right, uh, our number eleven team, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> uh, they were hosting one of the darlings of the Pac-12 this year, Coach Prime and Colorado Buffaloes. <laughs> Remind me, Ryan. Yes. Uh, Colorado, favored by how many points? Four. Okay. And did, they ended up winning the game, but certainly it was, was it by more than that? They were winning by more than that. At what point? Like with a minute <laughs> left of the game? Yeah. And that was like the only point when they had more than a Well, they, a were, winning. they were winning. Okay. Okay. But the, what, what, the did end, they, what did they end up winning by? By three. Oh, okay. And which one of us? Which one of us picked that yeah. end of it? Another one point loss for me. I think All right, it's like so, a record. Okay, so luckily I'm above 500. Jokes still, aside, uh, Ryan had a very bad week, and we'll get into more of that later. Yes. But um, this was one where we picked differently. Uh, ASU, uh, they they pretty much outplayed Colorado in this game. Uh, yeah. They had over 100 yards more total offense um, on just one. I think it was uh, on seven extra plays. So. They outgained them on a yards per play basis. Um, they were, I would say, more consistently uh, good offensively. Um, just really, they kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. Like they couldn't generate consistent yardage in the fourth quarter while Colorado kind of, I won't say they really got it going, but they got a little bit more success. They kicked a couple of field goals. Um, they got a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But it wasn't a great game for Colorado. Deion Sanders was pretty pissed after the game. Um, he he lit him up. Uh, but and this is the thing I like about Deion. He lit him up, but then he made it clear. Oh no no, I'm lighting up our coaches too. Like this is we can't come into a game prepared like this. We can't play like this. Like the whole thing. Um, it was uh, they just didn't look. Um, they didn't look all there. Uh, Shadur Sanders didn't play great. Um, wasn't getting great protection. He got sacked another five times. But he had another intentional grounding, I think, in this one. Um, and then on ASU's side, you know, I thought, given all of the issues, I mean, I think they're playing a true freshman at left guard in this one. Um, they had, they've had just massive issues on the offensive line. Cartman tweeted before the game, they were down to starting two guys who would have been their ninth and tenth linemen this Whoa. year. Um, so they're just, I mean, they have protection issues of their own. Trenton Borgay was sacked five times. He was really gimpy for like the last second half of this game was playing on basically one leg. Um, and so some of the stuff he was doing mobility wise in the first half, he wasn't able to get done in the second half. He scored a touchdown running in the first half. That wasn't going to happen in the second half. Um, and, uh, but overall I thought he played pretty well, got the ball to his playmakers. I mean, Elijah Badger had a great game. Um, Scadabo also uh, took a huge hit to the chest at one point, and he wasn't quite the same after that. They put him in on a couple of plays to get like first, first downs when they absolutely needed them, but wasn't able to um, 
uh, kind of have the performance that I think he would have liked. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with whatever happened to his chest. Um, but overall, I mean, it was once again a showing from Kenny Dillingham that 100% he should have been calling plays from the beginning of the year. Uh, there's just so much creativity with their run offense, with the different things they're trying to do. Um, you know, it, it's really unfortunate because they're now through basically the easy part of the schedule or the relatively easy part of the schedule. It's going to be tough, tough going from here. Um, Bill Connolly's numbers have them. It's basically 50 50 whether they get another win at this point. They're at one and they're at one. Um, so anyway, <laughs> they're at uh, one and what? One and whatever. One, one and one four. And five. One and five. One and five um, yeah. So it's it's fifty fifty whether they even get another win. But I like what they're doing a lot more. They're more pleasant to watch than they were in the Bo Baldwin era for three games. Um, and for Colorado, they needed to get a win here. They needed to get back on the winning column. So even if it's ugly, you'd take it. They're now four wins, which is blown past any over under that you would have had on Colorado this year. So. Already, I think the year's a success for Colorado, and uh, anything additional they do at this point is pretty much gravy. Yeah, I think Colorado's over-under for Vegas was three and a half, yeah. I believe. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, you know, this was a, a weird one. I, yeah, ASU, I think, outplayed them. Like, they're the best one-win team in the country right now, but it doesn't look like they're going to get... Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they can put it together and uh, get some wins, but they've had a bunch of home games, right? And they weren't able to win those. Um, the schedule gets tougher for sure. Uh, both teams, I thought, did a really good job in the red zone in this one. Like you said, some of the offense, it wasn't great. But, you know, Colorado had three tri- ri- trips to the red zone, scored touchdowns all three times. Arizona State uh, got in there four times. They had three touchdowns and a field goal. Wasn't any turnovers in this game. So it was like one of those things where, oh, it was weird. And like, oh, the ASU outplayed them, but they turned the ball over three times. There wasn't any turnovers, you know. No. Um, this is Arizona State's uh, ninth straight loss to uh, FBS foes. So it, that's not good. And like like you said, the schedule doesn't get easier here. Uh, they could go 0 for FBS for the season, which is not good. Um, and I I feel like if Dillingham was calling plays early, that, that wouldn't have been the case. But I think that was a, a big mistake. Yeah, it totally was. And just so everyone kind of gets it when we're talking about the schedule for ASU going forward, here's what it is. On the road at Washington in two weeks. Ooh. Washington State at home. Mm. Mm? Utah on the road. Rice Eccles. Mm. Place where dreams go to die. Uh, UCLA on the road. Uh, Oregon at home. And then Arizona at home. Like the two chances there are Wazoo at home and Arizona at home. And I don't even know if Wazoo... Yeah, I, I, I really don't know about that. I don't know if they're prepared for... Because uh, like Campbell. UCLA... I mean, I think there was these out-athleted. We'll get to that in a little bit, but... UCLA's defense will um, absolutely annihilate Arizona State. It will be very sad to watch. No, but I mean, for... for oh, Arizona, for Wazoo. Yeah, for yeah, Wazoo, yeah, yeah. it's sort of like... Yeah, I don't think ASU is, I don't think ASU is capable that wasn't the of doing what UCLA was, is yeah. going to do to them. Even um, though they struggled on the road and everything. So really, it's... it's. I mean, Wazoo, I mean, they'll be probably like... They'll have like a, you know, 25% chance of winning that one. Uh, Arizona, maybe the same, but... It's dicey, man. Uh, LFG says, Scadabo injured before the Colorado game, played sick, and then lo- looked injured after taking a hard hit by Colorado. Right. Yeah, and I think it's just, uh, I mean, he, he's got miles on him now uh, from this season, and they have to lean on him so heavily because they really don't have a whole lot else behind him. Um, and it's just, you know, you you got to love that kid for uh, continuing to go out there and play, but he's clearly dinged up. Yeah. 
He's not 100%. Okay, uh, so we did that one. Next, we have number 10. California Golden Bears. Uh, and they were hosting our number five team. Oregon State Beavers. Now, look, I know I call uh, a lot of coaches in the Pac-12 stupid, right? Mm. I say a lot of them are dumb, and that's not nice. Like, co- constantly calling people stupid is the mark of a stupid person. I shouldn't do that. However, mm. Justin Wilcox is an extremely stupid person. Oh. Um, they started a quarterback in this game, Fernando Mendoza. Okay. Right? Now, if you watched this game, you look at his stat line, you're like, ah, eh, whatever. You know, 21 to 32, a couple touchdowns, an interception. That's not so great. But if you watched this game, that dude has juice. Like, he's, he's like, getting fired up after touchdowns, giving his, like, offensive linemen the, like, shooter, shooter guns. Like, he's, he's, like, he's, like, inches away from, like, doing, yeah, you know? Like, he's full on got the juice. He is your starting quarterback. How the fuck did you spend <laughs> the previous five games not playing this dude? Um, and Oregon State was not prepared for it. So Oregon State won 52 to 40. Cal scored 40. Mm. And a huge part of it was they were not prepared for that guy. They were prepared for, you know, Sam Jackson running around, you know, and getting sacked 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and not being able to do anything positive with his legs. They were prepared for whatever that Ben Finley guy does. Not anything good. Uh, Fernando Mendoza made him work. um, And he moved around. He made plays with his legs. They were not at all prepared for it, and I think it completely flummoxed their defense. Their defense was like doing coverage busts that I haven't seen from Oregon State in a really long time. Like this was a bad defensive showing for Oregon State, um, and they were saved by the fact that DJU played his best game in an Oregon State uniform. Um, he was—I don't think I've ever seen him throw with more accuracy. Um, he was hitting at all levels, um, just and looking. Looking more poised and calm back there. I think a big part of it was he wasn't under a ton of pressure. I thought Oregon State's offensive line played pretty well. Um, but it was it was offense completely that saved Oregon State in this game because Cal, Cal wasn't stopping. They were not stopping scoring. They were able to run the ball extremely effectively in this game. They ran for almost 250 yards, which is unheard of against Oregon State these days. That's not how Wazoo beat this Oregon State defense. They passed it all over them. So now you've got in basically two games in three weeks, Wazoo passed it all over this Oregon State defense, and now Cal ran all over them. That's not that's not what you want to see going into the teeth of the schedule. No, for sure not uh, that. This is what what I saw a couple weeks ago from Cal was the offense uh, getting getting going a little bit, and then they really just laid an egg last week against Arizona State, and then they bounced back in this one. Um, but like you said, you're moving around different quarterbacks and you find the guy that you actually think works. Um, I mean, kudos there, but again, what took you so long? I, you're right. There was juice there. Like why, how could this not have been seen, um, earlier? I don't know. It, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, so he got his first start, Mendoza, Fernando Mendoza. Uh, it's the third different Cal quarterback to start this season. Um, and Looked like he was the best, so I'm not sure what was going on there. I don't think he was dinged up or anything to start the season. So No, it's uh, just a redshirt freshman, yeah. um, and he was like a nothing recruit. So I think they were just kind of thinking he wasn't going to be able to play. But like 
that guy, you know what it screams to me? He's a gamer. Like, he's just a yeah. guy who gets really fired up to play in the games and does stuff. Um, and then in practice, he probably looks like dirt. But play him. Yeah. He's your guy. And, you know, Oregon State had their problems. They tried that onside kick. Yeah. It failed. Yeah. Like, what was that? I liked uh, it. It was ambitious, but yeah, it failed. And then uh, I think Cal scored right after. I think they did. Uh, they they fumbled in the second quarter. Um, a lot of red zone trips. Cal, uh, Cal got in the red zone five times, four touchdowns and a field goal. Uh, Oregon State, seven red zone trips, six touchdowns and a field goal. Um, Cal, only 10 third downs, but they converted half of them. They converted five. What's crazy is that Oregon State converted five of their five fourth down attempts. Yeah. Um, pretty crazy. 92 total points. That's the most in this series, 76 games worth. Like they've never scored this many. Yep. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, Oregon State had this uh, tight end. You know, my guy Musgrave's gone. Oh, yeah. Jack Velling. Four catches, three of them were touchdowns. That's pretty good. Not bad. Uh, Isaac Hodgins, uh, he had a couple tackles, half a tackle for loss. Oh, and he caught a touchdown yep. for Oregon State. Um, so get this. You you mentioned uh, Wilcox. You like him, right? You think he's... Uh, he's stupid. Oh, sorry. I put up the wrong picture. I put up uh, Chip Kelly. Um, wow. As you were saying, he's stupid. I put up Chip Kelly. That's wow. my, my bad. Wow. Justin Wilcox up there. Uh, Cal, under his watch, had not given up any uh, 50 points to any team before as Cal, as the Golden Bears head coach. They've done it twice this year mm-hmm. already. He uh, might have the most overrated uh, defensive reputation in college football. He was a pretty good defensive coordinator most places, like not at USC, but he was at most places he did a pretty good job. They are like so middling. Like they, they are, are not good. I don't really understand it. Um, and just to give you a picture of what Cal's rest of season looks like, they have to go at Utah, USC at home, at Oregon, Washington State at home, at Stanford, and then at UCLA. That screams one and five to me to close out this year. Yeah. They're going to finish four and eight. And in a just and sane world, Justin Wilcox will be coaching his last games in Berkeley. Of this year? Yeah, he should be gone after this oh, year. Oh, but oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what their financial situation is. It depends on how much sure money they can beg, borrow, and steal from UCLA. Calimony, baby. <laughs> keep get, get big, big Calimony and keep Wilcox. You know what? I would if I was running UCLA. ACC. I would, I would, I would just so I don't have to watch Cal anymore under Justin Wilcox. I'd be willing to donate. Like, okay, we'll give you the Calimony, but it has to go to the Justin Wilcox buyout. Come on, nice. Or or Chip could hire him. Yeah to be like the linebacker coach or something okay uh all right so that was we had cal and we had uh osu next up we have number nine arizona wildcats and they're on the road uh pack 12 after dark number four usc trojans that's right everyone we have an undefeated usc down at number four well they were at four last week too uh were they i think so I don't think so. Were they? Yeah, I think we had Washington State above. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. Um, so they haven't moved. We they're behind. The- they're be- now behind a one-loss team, which we will get into. Yes. Um, all right. A lot to say about this game. Okay. First, very funny, very funny game. USC won in triple overtime, forty-three, forty-one, in a game they absolutely should have lost. Very funny. Triple overtime. Um, I thought it was positively an inspiration. 
that Jed Fish coached the entire second half after having a piano fall on his head at halftime. That was, you know, there's these moments in sports that just really like tug at your heartstrings and you're just like left with, wow, that is a, that is a, uh, just an example of the triumph of the human spirit and him being able to continue to coach after suffering a traumatic brain injury at halftime was, um, God, I'm tearing up right now thinking about it. Um, truly incredible stuff. Now, did it hurt Arizona that he uh, coached the entire second half um, with his brain in a toilet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can't say anything else, but yes. Um, this was a game, and this is, I'm sorry, USC fans, earmuffs, I guess, where Arizona's players wildly outplayed USC's players. Um, and they were let down by their coach maybe suffered a traumatic brain injury that would be the best explanation or just turtled at an amazing level um they had a fourth and four from the five yard line at one point in this game what was the score at that point uh i want to say they were up i don't recall Okay, they uh, they kicked a field goal. Let me find it. It was uh, oh, it's oh, probably it was the first the first drive seventeen fourteen. Yes, the first drive of the second half. USC had finally gotten some momentum at the end of the first half. Yeah. They'd finally started to stop Arizona's offense. It was seventeen offense. nothing. Yes. at one point, and then which was again, I do need to keep reiterating this, deeply funny. And then it was seventeen fourteen at half. Luck, like very lucky for USC. Right, um, but. Arizona then starts the second half and it's like, okay, you need to regain some of this momentum. You need to show that you can, you know, continue to put it to this team. And they put together a great drive. Like they drive down to the USC five, it's fourth and four. And at that point, Arizona was moving the ball just kind of consistently. Like even the like couple of plays before, they'd basically gotten uh, Jonah Coleman, I think was dropped for a little bit of a loss, but then Fafita ran for two big chunk you know, four yards, five yards. You've got them right on the goal line. This USC defense isn't good. They're not well schemed. They'll probably have like nine guys out there. Like there's so many different ways you can do this. And he turtles and kicks the field goal going up 20 to 14. Yeah. Now you're going against, again, USC, like their offense. Do you really think you're holding them? And the funny part is they actually did. But do you really think you're holding them to 14 points again in the second half? Probably not. Yeah. You got to do something more than that. So he does that. Uh, then late in the game, he plays for a, what was it, a 50-yard field goal attempt? It where a, the first a, play is he takes a deep shot down the left sideline when they're just moving the ball fine. Yeah, they moved the ball well. I think there was like a, I think Arizona gained like 41 yards on the drive and then sort of like stalled when it got too close yeah, to field so goal. Yeah, so the drive starts on the Arizona 21, and they just move it. They're moving it on the ground, running, 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 running. Here's here, just let me give you the whole play because this is this is important because it deals with time too. And time yeah. at the end of a game is very important. You need to. Our coaches if, don't know that. If you're going to attempt to win the game in regulation, you want as little time left when you you know do your potentially winning thing. Correct? Okay. Uh, they get the ball with six eighteen to go. So you're thinking, oh, okay, we won't have you know we're not going to be able to run the entire clock down. But then they go like this. Noah Fafita pass incomplete. Jonah Coleman run for seven yards. Noah Fafita run for 15 yards. Jonah Coleman run for nine yards. Jonah Coleman run for seven yards. Uh, Williams, DJ Williams run for 11 yards. Okay. They're now at the USC 38. 
What did I just describe? How many were those plays all pass plays or were they run plays? I don't remember. I think there was a lot of passing in there. Had had USC had a single successful stop of any of those runs? No, they have not. What do runs do also when you're at the end of the game with that clock thing? It, it keeps it going. Right. And what will that force USC to do? Uh Call timeouts. Call timeouts. A variety of different things, right? Tons of different things that could happen in that situation. But most importantly, you're moving the ball that way, right? You're running the ball, and the ball is moving further and further towards their end zone and away from your own, right? right? And as you get get closer to their end zone, correct me if I'm wrong, your chance of getting points from the drive increases, right? Yeah. Okay. He then elects to take a deep shot downfield into, I, I think it was triple coverage. What was it? Something like that. Yeah, it was left sideline, deep shot down to like the five. Obviously misses, uh, and then it's just uh, uh, Jonah Coleman tries to run on second and ten. They're now in a uh, situation where USC is trying to get after them in the backfield. It goes nowhere. Then he has to throw on third and eleven. Uh, they take a shot um, uh, at a fifty-yard field goal from the USC thirty-three and miss. So the score was twenty-eight twenty-eight. Then. The funniest thing in this game happens. We got a lot of comments about that funny thing, yeah. This is the deepest and most funny thing. Uh, USC gets the ball back, and you're thinking, done. Game game is over. They've got basically two minutes for Caleb Williams to march from his own 33. The only question is whether they're going to leave time on the clock for Arizona to do something because Lincoln Riley is also stupid, right? So they drive, they drive, they drive, they drive, they drive. Um, it's second and goal at the Arizona six with four seconds to go. Uh, Caleb Williams uh, tries to fumble, right? Tries to fumble, but then jumps on it. He, yeah, that was a weird. It, it he was, tried to fumble. Um, and yeah. Arizona, and the whole time Arizona has timeouts, they're not calling them at all. They're like, no, no, we're good, just losing. <laughs> we just, we just want to cover. This is fine. They don't call any timeouts. Uh, USC marches down the field, um, and then it's. Uh, Four seconds to go, and they're lining up from the Arizona six to kick a chip shot, right? Yes. Arizona calls timeout after uh, Dennis Lynch uh, kicks the first one through the upright. It was a perfect, perfect, perfect it was perfect. practice. Everything was really cool. It's like cool. you're at the driving range. You just and like, you then, grab your driver and just like, stroke <laughs> one down the middle, and then, and then you then hit one sideways. The next one is snapped, um, I would say, about head height to the holder. He, he basically stands up to get it. Yes. Then he puts it down. Lynch, his timing, his visual focus, everything completely screwed up. Yeah. He doesn't just like swing through the ball. No, no, no. He kicks the ground once and then attempts to kick the ball and it goes sideways, I think, into a player. I think they might count it as, no, it's just a miss. I think he didn't miss the hit. Yeah, it didn't though. hit anybody. Um Beautiful. Absolutely glorious. I would watch that again in my dreams every night. It was absolutely exquisite. It was like, you know, in the halftime when you have like a student try to kick a field goal and they like they can't do anything. That's what that looked like. All right. But we haven't even gotten to overtime yet where more stupid shit happens. There was a lot of dumb shit in this. So one. we go to overtime. By the way, I'm in the press box and it's like super late, and it's like oh yeah, we're at, is- we're at like eleven fifteen at this point. Yeah. So uh, USC gets the ball first in overtime. They score pretty quickly, like it's three plays or something like that, right? Arizona then scores in one play, right? So they're down at this point, thirty-five, thirty-four. They threw some guy that nobody knew. 
like he, he wasn't yeah it was well. just it was this Jacob. guy yeah this gay this guy who you know you wouldn't think to cover him right why would you it's not him? as if he is one of the two leading receivers on the team and yeah. maybe like the star receiver from the last two years yes right it's exactly that it's jacob cowing yeah um usc never quite figured out that they have two guys they like to throw to and you should cover both of them literally only two right like, they i think all of the targets and, for wide receivers and most importantly guys, one of them one. was hurt for a big portion of this game yeah <laughs> The Jacob Cowan guy who caught the touchdown at the end. He was hurt for a good... Anyway. For the second uh, quarter. He so was anyway, hurt. they score. But Jed Fish was not done, um, you know, uh, struggling to form sentences, difficulty, um, you know, just processing information. He wasn't done putting his stamp on this game. So they're down 35-34. They have... Definitely kicked that extra point, right? To tie it up. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously, they were 21-point favorites in this game, right? Arizona? Yeah. Like, they, they, they want to... They, they don't care. They just want to ensure that they have another shot at it because they're clearly better than USC, right? Yeah. No. No. Mm. So, uh, in that situation, so there's a few things going on. Uh, first, uh, first overtime, you can just play it normally. But every overtime after that, you have to go for two. Until well, it's actually just one overtime. After that, you have to go for two, and then in the third overtime, it's just uh, two point conversions over and over. No matter what, you're going to have to convert a two point conversion after this. Yeah, like you will have to do be, it. Yeah. Get it out of the way, buddy, and take one play to win the game. You absolute maroon. Are you kidding me? Um, he doesn't. He kicks the extra point. Uh, so we go to double overtime, and at that point, it's just it's done. Like it's just a foregone conclusion, unless these players continue to just outplay the like shackles of their dumb head coach. This game's over. It's locked up, and then Caleb Williams literally runs an isolation play like it's fucking basketball to win the game. Like just absolutely insane. And we haven't even talked about how dumb Alex Grinch is, and we got to this point in the game craziness just arizona good god you are so much better than the game management of your head coach i'm so sorry noah fafita uh is somehow potentially not going to start this week if Jaden delora comes back and he is so much fucking better <laughs> i am i am cursing because i am angry on your behalf arizona fans uh you are being let down by the by the extreme stupidity of your head coach Noah Fafita, it's not even that like, oh, you know, he manages things better. You're taking some things away by playing. No, he's just better, just fundamentally better. He's going to run your offense, and he's not going to make egregious mistakes all the time. No, And he can move the ball. And he doesn't just like run around wildly behind the line of scrimmage, hoping that something happens without actually looking for anything to happen. He runs your offense. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that more later this week. Uh Arizona should have won the game. USC is lucky to pull away and win this. 100%. Um, yeah, and I I thought Fafita did a really nice job. Like I said, I mean, he was focused on those two wide receivers, and that's it. They ran the ball effectively. Um, you know, he had some pressure and stuff, and, you know, there was, he had a couple bad throws, but there was nothing like what we've seen from bad Jaden Delora. This is two weeks in a row. His first two starts are against top 10 teams. Um, and he could have won both of those games, or Arizona could have won both of those games. It just seems so bizarre that you would say he's not going to be your starter going forward. You know, I, I don't get that. A lot of weird, bad stuff that was happening in this game. Um, it's crazy. USC hadn't trailed 
all season. Do you know how many teams in the, in FBS, 131 or whatever, haven't trailed all season going in last week? One. USC was the only team that hadn't trailed. And then they were down 13 to nothing. They went three and out three times. They had one first down. like, And so many of USC's first downs came off of Arizona penalties. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 refs were definitely in full force. Uh, oh, there was a roughing the passer on Caleb Williams where I literally do not know what the defensive end could have done differently. Like, I yeah. don't know. It was not. It was like some barrel contact. Flo, Justin Flo got in there, and I, I think they were setting the, the precedent. Flo, the Flo one was okay. Like, that was an okay call. Yeah. But the one the one on, like, no, yeah. yeah, it was nuts. But there was some of that stuff going on, and then you feel like, okay, now they're looking for it, and maybe that's why they called it. But, like, USC, right before halftime, uh, Caleb Williams threw a touchdown pass to uh, Kyron Hudson that, you know, it looked like it could have gone either way. And I, I, I could see, you know, if it wasn't overturned because they called it a touchdown. But then he throws a touchdown pass to Michael Jackson that clearly looks like a touchdown. And it wasn't even like a full review. It was like the quick review. Like, oh, definitely that's, you know, his foot's out of bounds. And they overturned it. Like, not only it was like a quick review overturn. And you're like, it looks like he's in the end zone. It was really weird. Just so much stuff. They called... Uh, Mario Williams dropped a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone. Oh, that was amazing. This was this There was a defensive penalty, and the referees go, <laughs> penalty declined, touchdown USC, and the ball like was rolling down. It wasn't like it was close. He was out of bounds, and he <laughs> dropped the ball. Like, in no situation and was that a touchdown. And the refs called it a touchdown. Ah, it was so good. And the, and, and Brock Osweiler's like really horrible, and he's he's like you, like he's li- like really loud on the microphone. I'm like, dude, why are you screaming? Super tall. I saw him in the uh, press box, but they were the, the the announcers were really on the referees. Like they were like, "Wait, well, how can you call that a touchdown?" Like they they were calling him out, which was you know this is Pac-12 refs. This is like the way shit normally is here. Um, I still don't think USC knows how to um, cover like a toss play um, or a pitch play outside. They it's funny they are terrible at that except for the two point conversion that they tried to, that yeah. Arizona tried to tie. Uh, yeah, that was a. That was a brain, that, that was kind of a brain dead call, but um, uh, Jonah Coleman they they kept making this uh, point on the I think he had said previous in the week like one guy he like kind of likens his game to is Maurice Jones Drew and that's totally fine, um, but then they kept saying it on the broadcast and I was like am I am I insane I've watched Jonah Coleman play he's nothing like Maurice Jones Drew. And then USC's defense, ball. and then USC's defense made him look like Maurice See? Jones. True, it was so cool. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Um, they're they're so bad. Uh, that defense. They're, the schemes are bad. They're, How many missed tackles in this one? Thirty? No, there was like seventeen. It was at least PFF. God, but it was bad uh, for that. And it's it's sort of one of those things. And I, I first, first of all, um, I've never thought I would say this, but like. Arizona's defense. Do you know who the defensive coordinator is for Arizona? Uh, Johnny Nansen. Johnny Nansen. <laughs> who, okay, I don't want, like, literally was like Sark's buddy that came down from Washington when Sark got hired. Thanks for avoiding the adjective before buddy. That usually goes I there. usually would say the adjective. Yeah. Um, they were they were friends. Whatever. Not going to go there. Uh, and... In my opinion, like when they fired Sark after whatever 15, 16 games, he was going to be the first guy that should have gone with him. He was basically like, I don't want to say like an enabler or whatever, but he was like that guy. Uh-huh. And he's the one that stuck around the longest. He was like the longest standing assistant from Sark's era. He stuck around the longest. Known as a good recruiter, never known. And I thought he, I mean, two weeks in a row, 
two really good offenses. Arizona did a nice job. Like, you're not going to stop those offenses. They're going to get some, but you got to get some stops. And they did. He did a really nice job. Michael Penix didn't throw a touchdown pass. Um, you know, they were in both of those games. They play that dollar. So it's like seven defensive backs in there. And I think sometimes you get really good offenses that get stubborn. They want to do what they do. And I think USC was like that, where if you're dropping seven DBs, you got to run the ball more and, and you kind of kind of do sort of what they're giving you. And I think some of these times, you know, really smart offensive coordinators, you know, Kalen DeBoer can call offense, Lincoln Riley can call offense. They get kind of stubborn about that stuff. But Arizona's defense did a really good job two weeks in a row against great offenses. So uh, kudos, kudos there. And uh, Fafita, like, you know, he just he he threw to two receivers and USC would have them one on one with like a safety that can't cover very well. And you're like, literally, those are the two guys you have to stop. And they weren't doing it. And it's it's funny because it's sort of like these metrics for whatever you want to do, like for your job. Like, you know, David, when you're working here, we want to see this many, What you know, like if you're, I want to see you write this many parking tickets and you got to do this or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you, you, you hit all these metrics and then you didn't, like you didn't really do your job that well. Like at the end, you know, the results weren't great. I feel like USC is like, we, if we get pressure on the quarterback, things are going to be fine. And they do a really good job of getting pressure on the quarterback, but the results are not fine. And uh, it's just, it's kind of baffling. They, they were outplayed in all three phases of this game, and it helped that Arizona had some really bonehead defensive penalties Again, a, and bonehead a, a, a decision. A gigantic makers. piano <laughs> fell out of the sky and landed on Jed Fish, and then his head and his body emerged from the center of the piano through like one of those broken holes. But somehow, pi- piano keys had been transposed over his teeth, and then they all fell out very musically. At like, halftime. Like a Bugs Bunny commercial. Correct. Yeah, or a cartoon, and yeah. so then for him to come out in the second half and coach, again, I want to say very inspiring. It just didn't work out uh, because, again, his brain had been turned into a liquid pool at his feet. Yeah. Uh, in a serious note, um, as an expert on embattled head coaches, uh, because I have covered UCLA for the last 20 years and I am very familiar with the art form, it is amazing to me how many signs of the embattled head coach Lincoln Riley gives off here one and a half years into what has been a very successful tenure yeah he is 17 and two at ucl at usc correct uh 17 and three 17 and three at usc yeah. um and he is kicking reporters out of practice he is um saying things that are akin to carl durrell's well it's football 101 you wouldn't understand type <laughs> shit it's uh, it's amazing. That was the untrained eye comment. From the untrained eye and sticking with a horrible defensive coordinator. Like, what are you doing? Like, you 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 have so much goodwill and you're frittering frittering it away on stupid crap. Like, it's so weird for a guy to be a year and a half into such a successful tenure and act like this. Like yeah. to be this like backup. I'm defensive. Like this whole thing. You, you should be confident. You're, you've got three losses. And if you're not confident, it's entirely because of your defensive coordinator. So just hire a different one. Fire this guy. He should be fired right now. And people are saying, oh, the defense won them this game. They were down 17 nothing to Arizona in the first half. Which one of those teams has better players? Which one of those units has better players? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's not like it's... Um, I don't know. USC's defense is full of like three stars and tryhards. 
You got freaking Bear Alexander up front. How are you not better than this? Yeah. This is crazy. And we haven't mentioned, uh, so Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. Um, he has off, his off games are four and five touchdowns. Like that's when the off, like this was an off game. He had one of the touchdown throws that should have been touchdown taken away, but he ran for three in this one. Uh, the one I've shown a picture of where it's basically like the uh, the tush push, the uh, you know brotherly shove thing that you see uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, except nobody was shoving and nobody did a good job. So the line didn't get any push, and he has to go around the outside. Linebacker or whoever it was was grabbing Caleb Williams, just holding on to him, and somehow he powers through him and squirms and like reaches the ball out over for, for the touchdown. He just willed his way to this win. And uh, it's not easy to come out of a 17 nothing deficit, um, but it just kind of shows you how poorly you played from the beginning. I thought they would come back and play well at home. They hadn't played at home for about a month. They were they were just terrible. They were the, the worst I've seen them. Um, so they didn't cover 21 and a half. They did not cover, no. Uh, but I thought they'd play well. Here's the thing, and I, there's a lot, and a lot of USC fans are sort of like doomy and gloomy and stuff. They're still six and zero. They had a terror, like a really crappy schedule, and haven't played well like for the last three weeks. They, they had a good first half against Colorado, and since then they haven't played very well. But like, are you gonna be shocked if they go on the road and beat Notre Dame? Like, I don't know, Notre Dame just lost to Louisville. Utah's got to come to the Coliseum. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'll be pretty shocked. USC beats a lot of good teams this year. I'd be really shocked. You think? So you're. See, I don't. I don't think they're going to lose. Been, you're thinking been, they're eight and four. And I just don't think. I don't I mean, think they're. I think eight, it's like I, ten. And I'm two joking. Eight and four. I think it's like. I, I wouldn't be surprised at nine and three. They it got. Could some, they got some issues, man. Yeah, but like they had issues last year, and they won. They, if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt, they win all those games. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where I get like a lot of you. Last year was a much easier schedule. It was a lot easier schedule. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it'll be fun to see. We'll see. <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah, I think that. Was oh, it. and somebody pointed out, but we should note this: uh, among the many stupid things Jed Fish did, he also didn't know the overtime rules. He didn't know they had to go for two, and he had to spend his time out because they lined up to kick the extra point in the second overtime. Yeah, we, we were talking about that in the press box. We were like, "I think you have to go for two now, right?" Like, you know, but we're not getting paid millions of dollars a year to like know exactly. What they it is. okay? So Jed Fish doesn't know it, but like, how is there not a guy who's like telling him, "Yo, man." You gotta yeah. go for two here. How how does nobody know? Dumbasses. Yeah. Uh all right. Good stuff there. Um, okay, so we just talked about Arizona. We already talked about Colorado. Number seven. Utah Utes. Um, they had a bye week. Yep, they sure did. And uh let's see, number six. Oh, and Cam Rising revealed some information this. Yeah, you want to talk about yeah, yeah so. so Cam Rising um apparently had a full knee tear tore not only his ACL but I think his MCL his meniscus like basically everything it was hanging on by a thread um so I think he's feeling probably and justifiably a little defensive because his head coach keeps saying I don't know why he's not back basically um and uh a lot of fans I'm sure are like echoing the head coach saying well I don't know why he's not back um he's nine months after a very traumatic knee injury so you know he's got his life and his future to think about so um it felt like pretext for Cam Rising's not playing this year. Is how it felt. That's to me. really what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and that his surgeon is a, he's an LA surgeon who uh, does like the team doctoring for a lot of the teams in the area. He does, and uh, they did a story on the Athletic about him, and uh, Cam Rising gave him permission to kind of talk about a surgery, and essentially like 
you know, it could be, this has been, I think, nine months or something since the injury. And it's like, you know, nine to 10 months is recovery, but it depends on, you know, each player and what they're doing. And you could be okay to work out, but are you going to be peak performance? So it didn't, it just sounded like they're still trying to get him to the point where you can get on the field, but it's not just getting on the field. You also want to be able to, you know, what made him special, like his legs really, you know, was a huge dynamic of his game. Is that going to be around? Um, I, I hate to see it like this. I'm glad he came out and said something because I'm sure he got tired of hearing it. The fact that he was trotted out at Pac-12 Media Day back in July just seems so stupid. Like, don't bring him, you know? Chip Kelly doesn't bring his star quarterback who's in the same city. Uh, don't bring your injured guys. Um, yep. He brought two injured guys. You know, it's I, that just makes – I just I hate that. I don't like it. I know we talked yep. about it last week. Yep. Okay. Uh, our number six team, they get the different uh, sound this week. Washington State Cougars. Uh, they went on the road to take on our number three team. UCLA Bruins. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't have gone meow for Washington State. Um, what I think this game showed is that U- UCLA's defense is very, very, very good. Mm. You know, we had we had an idea that UCLA's defense was good through the first four games, but they'd gone against, you know, a bunch of offenses that were dog right. shit. And including Utah. <clears throat> including Utah. Um, but this is the this was Washington State actually has a really good offense and in theory one that would challenge UCLA's potential weakness, which was the secondary. And instead UCLA did what to them what they've done to pretty much everyone. So the final score was twenty five seventeen extremely deceptive uh only seven of those points were really on ucla's defense um the first the first three uh, the first field goal for washington state dante moore threw a pick after uh getting under pressure uh threw a pick and it was returned to the ucla 19 they kicked a field goal after driving for four yards so that was their first three points makes sense their next seven were on a pick six from dante moore on goal to go from the five yard line uh where he threw it into a nickel who then returned it uh, for a touchdown. So, Like 95 yards or something? Yeah, Washington State scored 10 points in the first half, all of them off of turnovers, either directly or very, very quickly after. So they only had one drive where they actually like looked like the Washington State offense we've seen, um, and that was where they scored in the third quarter. Otherwise, UCLA shut them down completely. Um, they got pressure with three and four against Washington State's offensive line, which was stunning to see. Um, usually when UCLA's gotten pressure in the Chip Kelly era, it's been seven, sending five or six guys. They were able to get pressure with like basically Gabriel Murphy and Leatu Latu just beating the tackles over and over and over again. Um, and then because they were getting pressure with three and four, Cam Ward had nowhere to throw it. Cam Ward, he threw a couple of picks. I didn't actually think he played that badly. There was just nothing for him to throw to because UCLA was able to drop seven or eight in coverage most of the game. Um, because they were, again, getting pressure with three and four. He was flushed. He'd be looking around, and it's the kind of play where UCLA teams in years past, because they would have been blitzing and playing undisciplined, it either goes for a long running gain for Cam Ward, or he finds somebody open downfield for a huge gain. Instead, he found nothing. Uh, UCLA had a little spy going with Carl Jones that really, really disrupted Ward as well. Um, But they got to him three times. They hurried him another six, and then he he was out of sync the entire game. UCLA's defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn, uh, is doing a phenomenal job. He was uh, 
they've been a four down front basically the entire season this game they went with a lot of three-man front uh with a single defensive tackle uh jay Toia played really well in that role now offensively uh ucla had some uh had some issues again dante moore continues to look like a freshman um he uh through the two picks that led to 10 uh, Washington State points in the first half. Settled down a little bit, can, help, can hit accurate throws, but he's not, he, he's not like at the level where he's doing full field progressions. He's, he's basically one or two reads and then throw the ball, um, and teams are taking advantage of that now. So he's going to have to adjust. He's going to have to get a lot better. Um, his offensive line was a little bit better, not actually that great, uh, but running the ball, Carson Steele was really efficient. Uh, consistently getting positive yardage. It's not the UCLA rushing attack of last year where it was both explosive and efficient, but him just being able to get three, four yards, three, four yards, eight yards, three, four yards um, was really important for the offense kind of stabilizing in this game. And they had a couple of touchdowns that were wiped off that could have gone either way. I thought people were getting kind of excited about it. The, the J. Michael one, if they're not going to grant the Carson's uh, Ryan one, they shouldn't wipe away the J. Michael one. They were basically the same play where the ball could have maybe kind of been moving or hitting the ground, but it's, it was impossible to tell. They called it a not catch on the field for Carson Ryan um, and then said it stands, and that's fine. But then the J. Mike one was basically the same deal, and they overturned it. Um, so give them one of those, and it would have been a much better game. Also, UCLA missed a field goal, missed an extra point, and had a uh, had another field goal blocked. Crazy. So, there was a lot of points left on the board. UCLA probably should have won this bigger. Um, you you like one of the running backs a lot, right? Was it Steele? Is the one you? No, like that, I like Harden. Um, so so Steele, but Steele was a better Steel. fit for this game because they were just running into uh, the defense, like they were just trying to basically grind out yards. When I was saying he had like 140 yards, but on like 75 carries or something, <laughs> I was like, wow, David would love that. Yeah, I'm like he didn't like it. Um, Washington State punted five times in the second half. Yeah. Uh, they had a turnover. They had a turnover on downs. Uh, Cougs, that's why you got the the meow. Two of 13 on third downs. Um, UCLA, crazy. Eight of 25 on third downs. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's 25 third downs. Uh, yep. but, you, but to your point, a lot of it was you're grinding out these drives and moving the chains and uh, it was like 1950s football out there for a little bit. Yep. Um, if, yeah, if you're a quarterback fan um, and you put their stats together, neither of them. I mean, it, it, they don't have a combined uh, completion percentage over 50. percent I think. I think um, Dante Moore got to 50. He got the 50. percent Yeah. Uh, Ward was under 50. percent um, Nine punts um, for Washington State in this game. Do you know how many punts they had in the first four games? Nine. Ten. <laughs> Like, as many punts in their first four games had in this one, almost. Do you want to know how many three and outs Washington State had? I don't even want to know that one. <laughs> All right, three and it? outs or less, because they did throw an interception after two plays. <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Ooh. nine, ten of their 16 drives were three and out or less. But UCLA also, one, two, three, four, five, six of their 17 were three and outs. Uh, or less. Yeah, that's not good. No, I mean it was it was a lot of like there was there was a back and forth period. I think it was right at the start of the second half where it was like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Like it was. This yeah. was this is 
This was a struggle fest for a long time. Struggle run. fest if you're if you're an offensive lover. Well, and the crazy thing is, like Washington State was pretty much dominated in this game, but because of the uh, points off of turnovers in the first half, they were up 17-12 yeah. heading into the fourth, basically. No, yeah, that was like... We we both had Washington State plus whatever it was. What we yeah, doing? and I was I was feeling I was feeling pretty good about that. I thought UCLA would eventually win because they were just the, but they it would were be suffocating like that offense. But I thought it was going to be like the 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 score was at one 17, point was 18. 18 yeah. I'm like it's going to finish at like twenty one seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seventeen eighteen. All right. Okay. So big. That's a big win. Like that's one of those results this week that meant something. A you know ranked team. Um, you know, coming to the Rose Bowl, we what did we know about Washington State? We just thought the offense was going to be that good. They've had some really good wins. You know, probably the best resume in the Pac-12 up until this one. So a little bit of a snag there. We'll see. We'll see if the Cougs can bounce back. Um, all right. Then we have our number uh, two team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> on a bye. And our number one team. Oregon Ducks. Uh, also on a bye. Are they playing this week or something? Uh, that's for the Thursday show. Yeah, Don't like give away shit, dude. Like this is it's just tough to look it's at. It's called you know? teasing. Yeah. Great point. We're not, no one knows this. Like no one looks at the <laughs> schedule. It's not like college game days there or something. Oh, um, there should be so many. All right, Washington State. And Washington fans, come on. Don't be assholes. Wave your friggin' Washington State flags there. Go buy one from a friend. Go borrow one. Whatever. Uh, so w- Fox w- like there. and you you tweet about this, but Fox like got Washington State flags on the set, like Matt Leinart and I think someone else. Uh, well, which is so funny because Fox m- killed the league. Or they were part of the. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that killed the league. We had a. We found out. Um, what's it called? Oh, well, I'll put this up from Preston. Um, we found out who killed the league. Now that my youths were blamed for the $50 million recommendation, I think every team now could be blamed for the demise of the Pac-12. Yes. That's true. That's true. Utah was like the conscientious objector, but it turns out they were the uh, the poison pill. They literally, like, I can't believe it was the Utah president that talked to some professor that said, oh, yeah, you guys are evaluated at $50 million, and that's why you told ESPN to pound sand, and literally the conference is dead now. Yeah. Like, without that, the conference probably isn't dead. It's, yeah. not, it's not like thriving, but it's not dead. No. Um, that's a tough one. Okay, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We don't have many questions; only like a million. So we'll we'll do what, our, what we can and get back. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
All righty, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed your break, David. David Woods. I always do. Um, thanks for everyone that if you're watching us on YouTube, like getting over 100 people live on a Tuesday morning. I think that's pretty good. So mm-hmm. thank you, guys, for spending uh, the your morning. All of you don't work, obviously, so we love that too. Uh, that's good. Just kidding. Uh, but yes, thank you for. For joining in there, we have a voicemail. Why don't we start with that? Mm-hmm. Hi, Irving, David, John from uh, Phoenix calling. Just want to get your thoughts on a couple things as a Sun Devils fan. So, first, with the success Brian Ward's had with the Washington State now here at ASU on defense, how likely do you think another team's going to try to poach him? And you know what can ASU do to try to keep him? Because I think he's definitely helped the team out. He's a native from Arizona, from Glendale, so I think that definitely helps. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, next thing I was wondering about, uh, since we just played Colorado, uh, just kind of their position, like the schools and Coach Prime. Just like, do you think Coach Prime's at risk of getting going to a bigger market? And you know, what do you think uh, Colorado can try to do to retain him? If you're a Colorado fan, and like, what do you think? Uh, the risk is for Colorado if he doesn't stick around for his full five years that you know they end up regressing not just in the the play but like in the recruiting and the media coverage media coverage that you know the prime generates for the team. Um, lastly, just kind of wanted to ask you an easy question, just kind of hear your thoughts on the recent developments in the Gaza Israel conflict. <laughs> kind of get your thoughts on that, but uh, thanks. You're listening to the show and go Devils. Should we handle the easy one first? <laughs> <laughs> at the end. Um, so let's start with uh, Arizona State's defense. Um, uh, it's obviously been a major improvement, um, yeah. but I don't think it's been so uh, – ASU is so bad that I don't think – I think it's a good thing. I, I don't think he's getting noticed nearly enough to get poached really easily. Like I don't think Alabama's coming calling in the offseason. So can ASU scare up the funds to keep him if, you know – another Pac-12 or former Pac-12 school tries to poach him, they should be able to. Um, I, I think, you know, um, give him a couple of years because the the improvement is noticeable this year, but it's not like this is even still, even yet, a top-half defense. Like, it's still got problems. Yeah. But to do what he's doing with the personnel he has is really... Yeah, it's year one. It's really impressive. ton of turnover. Um, yeah, I, I think you're not in danger there. For Prime, I don't... I mean, he's not someone that's chasing... Like he he could create his own glory. Like I don't know. Like some people need to be at a big program to make it. I feel like he honestly believes he can make Colorado as big as anybody. You know. Yeah. Um. I could see him maybe getting back to Texas at some point. I don't see him coming there for a year. Yeah. I I my gut is, and I don't know anything. You know, inside information. My gut is he stays at least a few years. Yeah. And that you know, like going like if he goes five and seven or six and six this year. Huge accomplishment, and I don't think he will think so. No, I think he'll be pissed off about it. Yeah, it's like one of you know, if you, do you have that friend in college? You probably didn't have a lot of friends, but I would say, you know, the our engineering classes that were graded on scales, and like some of the classes, like oh, the yes, engineers the famously with more friends than history majors who get drunk all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, for like, so if the average of the class is like forty four. Like I, one of my friends, she was really smart. She was like valedictorian. And it was like, she got a 76 on a test and that was the highest grade in the class and you got an A, you know, and it made her mad that she got a 76. I'm like, you have the highest grade and you could, I don't, you know, I think you're, you're grading on a curve here. You have to say what Dion's doing is amazing, 
but he's looking at it as like I lost half my games. Like, and I, I feel like he wants to get this to the point where Colorado is winning nine, ten games a year. You yeah, know? and I don't think I mean they've got they've got to figure some th- stuff out on the offensive and defensive line, but that's that's what it is, and I think that'll be their major uh, target in the portal. Yeah, we had so, a lot of comments about this. We, we we had a third question. Oh, I'm sorry. Which was about. Um, the the easy question about uh, oh we're not go- we got so many questions we're not talking uh, just uh, yes we're gonna go so, in the Middle East too yeah yeah we got to go for it go so I think there's an infantilization that happens with people's thoughts about infantilization uh, yes okay. about a lot of this stuff um, we have three thousand years of history to uh, work with uh, when we're thinking about just any historical event anything that's happening in the world you can you can apply a little bit of perspective to it. If a people are oppressed, they're going to occasionally do horrific things. So you can condemn the action. This is bad. Shouldn't do those things. But you can look at the American Revolution and find like 10 terroristic acts performed by Americans against the British. Um, These things happen when a people are oppressed. Um, And I think people who look at this and just say, oh, you condemn them for doing this thing. Well, it's like, I don't know. Uh, Gaza's got, uh, I think, two million people in a space about the size of Washington D.C. Or I think it's two times the size of Washington D.C. So three times the number of people in in two times the space, uh, and uh, their water, electricity, uh, food shipments, medicine, all that is controlled entirely by uh, Israel and Egypt. Yeah, that's a that's a tough spot, um, and. Okay, is Israel, uh, you know, are they feeling threatened by Gaza? Sure. Um, but uh, keeping people in an open-air prison isn't good, um, and it's going to lead to some negative externalities. And I think um, it's the same kind of infantilization that happened after uh, 9-11, where, you know, people flew jets into the buildings. Um, why did they do that? We're not, we're not going there. But why right did they do there. that? Uh, because of uh, American policies for, you know, decades. So there's always a why. And if, if you don't want to just have like a, they're bad and we should eradicate them, which is uh, what, you know, some people are saying right now, uh, you can think about the why a little bit more and maybe then uh, encourage policy decisions that uh, eliminate the why. All right. Well, that's, uh, we'll be canceled now. Thank you. Yeah. Well. I'm just kidding. Um, a lot of this has been coming up. Brian Small, fire Alex Grinch and steal uh, DeAnton Lynn. Mm. There's there've been a few suggestions that USC just takes UCLA's defensive coordinator. I love it. Jim Leonard's out there. He's a really good one. It's true. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to? I think we have is Hugh Janus our first one. It might be. I think it is. All right. Five more questions. Hi, Brian and David Irvin. It's your boy Hugh Janus back again this week with five more questions. Here we go. One, who is the bigger asshole? Anger McRedface, Brian Kelly, Nick Satan Sabin, or Masturbating Mel Tucker? Uh, Brian Kelly. I think he's uh, a big I think he's because, a bigger because um, uh, satire, satire, parody, parody, um, he contributed to the death of somebody. Oh. That's, so that's not good. Okay. Right? Um, I'm going to go no. So I'm going to go Brian Kelly, Mel Tucker, Nick Saban in order. Yeah. Uh, I'll go through there. Two, can you each share the one thing you like the most about each other? 
Oh. Oh. Um, My gentle way of describing international politics? Is that it? No, you have to say what you like about me. I say what Right, right. No, I was just giving you some advice. Um, Oh. uh, Ryan is good people. Uh, He is a uh, a generous and welcoming person to uh, people he meets. That's right. In all ways. That's very sweet of you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've one, I really respect David's intelligence and his humor. And I love, I mean, I think the reason this works is because we have good uh, chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I love listening to him talk about stuff like they will have different political views. And I trust his opinions on things, you know, and I, you know, we give each other shit and stuff, but it's fun. But I know I value. Uh, the friendship with him, and I do uh, respect him as a person, as a journalist. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Three, which Pac-12 school has the best band and why? Stanford, obviously. <laughs> they didn't go, no. You can't do that anymore. Um, Washington? I mean, USC's got the best band, dude. Is that really right? Yeah. No, they play the same fucking songs over no, and over they, they, Washington's got a have, Big Ten-ass band. I like that. Thing. They have a platinum album. Oh, shut up. That's that's location more than it is anything else. <laughs> they are like Hollywood's band. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're like, Stanford's weird. Cal's like old school where they do like these shapes and stuff. Um, UCLA's kind of like that feel with the, you know, the high stepping and everything. Um, you know, Oregon's like kind of more modern. I don't know. Like, I think ASU, they do too much. Uh, there's too much production in the in the stadium we got a super chat oh we got a super chat let me pull that up from uh, gil let me pull it up here hell yeah gil thanks gil uh gil has a question will ucla be able to keep their dc after this season now that's the real question because ucla's profile is higher than asu's and their defensive improvement is much more stunning i don't know um i think you know ucla won't have probably a money issue keeping him but you know that guy's gonna have some juice and uh there could be i mean if you're an nfl team scouting at the college ranks i i think you could do a lot worse so um it'll depend a lot on what he wants to do all right um oh and then sorry we got to finish this question four i know how you love talking basketball will the ucla basketball team make the final four sometime in the next three seasons uh i will say i think so i say yes yeah i I think that's uh, five, ultimately, do you think Washington State and Oregon State end up in an expanded Mountain West, or do they reformulate the Pac-10-12 along with a bunch of Mountain West teams in an attempt to continue in a bigger, more historic name-brand conference? I mean, I have no freaking clue, but I, I feel like they're going to keep the name. I think they're going to keep the entity alive, and maybe you're just a two-team conference for a little while or something. And just, I think it's going to get weird. I think it could get very weird. Yeah. Uh, bonus question if you have time. Uh, I'm not doing that one. Uh, thanks as always, Hugh. Thanks, Hugh. Uh, okay, we'll do David in Seattle, or Daniel in Seattle, sorry. Washington, Oregon. Hey, Bill and Steve. First time emailer here. He already has the you know the jokes down. I have a few uh, Bix and Penix related questions. One, uh, who do you think benefited the most from being in their new system, Knicks or Penix? That's a real good question. Uh, that's a very good question. Because uh, they were both, I mean... Uh, so for Phoenix, I don't know how much of it was system or how much of it was getting healthy because um, he had a lot of injury-related issues um, uh, back in his Big Ten days. Uh, I think Knicks, 
literally changed the kind of player he is by moving out of uh, whatever Auburn was trying to do into Oregon scheme. So I'm going to probably go Knicks, even though Phoenix has obviously been the like more higher profile player. This feels like it was always kind of lurking there for uh, Phoenix, but for Knicks, it's like an entirely different type of player that he became in this new scheme. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that one. Uh, let's see. Two, if uh, Penix and Knicks swapped teams, which teams would be more fun to watch and who would be better? Um, Which team would be more fun to watch? I think, I think Oregon would be more fun to watch. I think... I think Penix is more fun. He's, yeah, he's throwing I think balls down his field. his ability to hit deep, um, yeah. you that, know, to to kind of to kind of test the back walls of a defense. Yeah, um, you know, to blow the their back <laughs> to blow their back line out. Um, I think that is uh, that's uh, you know kind of something that you'd want in any offense. <laughs> the back. EVS says uh, Penix is going to go deep this weekend more than once. Exactly. Nice. Uh, it sounds like a fun weekend. <laughs> Three, is Penix's downfield throwing or Nix's running ability more important to the game on Saturday? Ooh, I like that question. Um, I mean, I think they're equally important, and I think they're equal strengths that what can game? play. What game is he talking about? Like, I don't. We're not previewing <laughs> games. Yet. That c- could play hell with the opposing team's defense. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Nix's running ability. Like, I think you know that was. Uh, I think that could be an X factor for them, especially since you know Washington's defense has shown some leakiness up front occasionally. Yeah, I think I would I would agree with that one. I mean, but if Penix hits some deep balls, it's going to probably be trouble for Oregon. Finally, I'm really sorry your teams decided to completely blow up the Pac-12 and ruin your livelihoods. Uh, first of all, it was Utah's president that did that, and. This is probably helping our livelihoods, would you say? <laughs> yes. This is definitely helping our livelihoods. Not it doesn't help this show, which doesn't make any money, but it it helps our livelihoods. Uh now that you won't have your day jobs at the Podcast of Champions, <laughs> what are you planning on doing? I know I speak for all of your loyal listeners and saying, We want you to know that we've got you. We are few, but we have many aliases and vast resources. Uh it's if time times gets tough, if times get tough. The Zodiac Killer has an extra room in his basement just for you. We would do that for you. That's what you mean to us. Hugh Janus would let you live with him and his mother. No question. We will not let you get kicked out of on the streets like a 2022 Colorado football player. We've got you. Of course, personally, I don't, but I'm surely collectively, I'm sure collectively someone will help get you back on your feet. Seriously, love the pod. Go dogs, Daniel in Seattle. Great first question, Daniel. I loved it. Yeah, awesome first email. Uh, okay. Holy Where, cow. Okay. Okay. All right. I got this. Um, you sure? This is from uh, Charles. Chucky. Chucky? Is he going I, by Chucky? I, I just said that. Let's see. What, what did he go by in his first email? It says Charlie. He threw Charlie. Okay. Charlie. Uh, hey, gents. Really sorry for the long email, but it's hate week. This week, anger is more important than brevity. On a road trip. I've got time today. This is the first time ever that Oregon and Washington have faced off as top 10 teams. Is this the rivalry that's grown the most over the past 20-ish years in the Pac-12? If not, what is? Anyways, as we know, Oregon has never won a natty. Huskies love pointing this out, but have you ever asked one of them to look in the mirror? The University of Washington claims two college football national titles, 1960 and 1991. Let's address these one at a time. In 1960, the Huskies played four conference games and went 10-1. and They won four of their games by two points or fewer, finished number six in the AP poll. 
To their credit, they beat Minnesota and were awarded the national title by the (laughs) surely prestigious Helms Athletic Foundation. Many other programs can claim national titles from this season. In 1991, Washington finished undefeated, yet second in the AP poll. Common knowledge said uh, Miami was the best team in college football. I'll give them partial credit for each of these seasons. Let's call it one total combined title. Not so fast, my friend. As we all know, the Huskies completed an even more difficult feat, one nearly unheard of in the modern era of college football just 15 years ago, a winless season. Only two other power conference teams have managed to go 0-12, 2006 Duke and 2015 Kansas. Truly an amazing achievement. No other pack-whatever team, not the horrendous Arizona or Colorado teams of the past few years, have managed to be this horrible. Thanks, JW. Obviously, a season this horrendous negates any flimsy title claim a program might possess. The scotch tape title they've cobbled together means nothing when they went 0-12. To all Washington fans listening, I hope this weekend brings you a lifetime of despair. No matter how many wins your team gains over the next however many years you're alive, I hope you remember Jake Locker's touchdown celebration against BYU. I hope you remember losing to 1-10 Wazoo. I hope you remember Kenny Wheaton. I hope you still feel the 12-year losing streak every day that you live and breathe Anyways, thanks for reading. Cheers to the Big Ten. I guess go Ducks. Oh, he's a duck. I wasn't sure which. Yeah, fan it was, it was, he was. hard to tell because um, it kind of it, it oscillated a little bit. Yeah, because um, he's trying to keep that fair and balanced. Yeah, uh, that was a great hate email. I enjoyed it. I didn't even know they claimed uh, an earlier national title. The sixty-one that doesn't. Yeah, like I've the, always heard the ninety-one, and the, the ninety-one makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, there's all, a split because it was like AP yeah. and the coaches, whatever. If the, I think too hard UBI. about a split national title, then I can't claim UCLA's in nineteen fifty-four. So I don't do that. Right, but there was. I think some of the early, early ones where there was is basically like, like the like college football focus of the world's like make their all American team or whatever or like you know, pigskin post like oh yeah he's a third team all American according to pigskin pigskin post and you're like okay that guy's not an all American, yeah. um, something like that yeah makes sense okay, uh, let's see next up is, uh, this is from Taggart. Mm-hmm. Hey, fellas, quick note on the Utah quarterback situation. On the last show, David questioned whether Nate Johnson and uh, the pig farmer, Bryson Barnes, were the, quote, backup quarterbacks and mentioned if Nate goes down, we'd be looking at something called a Brandon Rose. That something is who was supposed to be Utah's backup quarterback behind Cam and who the coaches wanted to start against Florida. He was far ahead of Nate coming into fall camp and was starting to separate from Bryson uh, when he fell on a football and lacerated his liver. He, Another lacerated... There's so an many, epidemic of lacerated livers in football these days. Internal organs are at risk. There's can, a can lot of, we we've protect, had kidneys. Can we protect the livers better? Kidneys too. I don't want to hear about a lacerated liver again. No, there's been a bunch. Too many. Um, so really, the mass unit on offense started well before the start of the season, and Nate was QB number four at the start of fall camp. If Cam doesn't come back, we might eventually see Brandon, and I think he'll be much better than what we've had so far. Thank you, Tag. Appreciate that. I'm not sure how you know, like, who's the number four quarterback when you don't even know, like, the status of your star quarterback. Like, I mean, you're not watching practice. Like, if he tells you this guy's, I'm not sure I'm buying this. He's told us a lot of stuff. Yeah, who the hell knows? Um, uh, but I appreciate the clarification. Uh, this is from Frank in Sacramento. David is right. This is a big game, and ESPN is featuring this idiot on the sideline. At least he wasn't throwing up. Uh, so it was Texas, Oklahoma, and they showed, uh, I, oh think my, it's, I think it's Pat McAfee. Pat, Mc, Pat McAfee. 
they had like a you know they the, the Manning cast for like Monday Night Football. They had like McAfee and a couple of guests or whatever on the sideline. He was like in a cowboy hat. I accidentally found it because I was looking for the game, and I got the weird version of it. And I was like, what? Why? Why am I hearing him? What is going on? Uh, it was terrible. He's a moron. Uh, but I'm glad they've spent a ton of money to uh, you know, show him on all platforms. Yeah. We got a text message. Um, Dylan in Albuquerque. I know we all despise the Pac-12 network, but sitting here watching the UCLA Wazoo game has a small part of me thinking how I'll miss hearing the duo of Ted Robinson and Yogi Roth call games for the Conference of Champions, despite how lackluster the games could be. Am I crazy? Thoughts? Dylan from Albuquerque. The content's not was never bad. Like I like the people that are on. It's the distribution, a lot of the decisions that were made. They did do some good stuff. Like the sixty minute version's great. I think a lot of people are great. He he was funny uh, during the game because uh, Ted Robinson started talking shit in a very sarcastic manner about all of the Big Ten opponents that will be coming to the Rose Bowl, and he was like. Oh, you can hear these clamoring fans. They're going to be. It was the talk of the campus this week. How excited they are to host Indiana next year and Rutgers, and it was like he was doing sarcastically. Yeah, and I was like, "That's a good. That's a good one, Ted." Um, I, I think as they get closer and closer to the end here, I'm, we're going to hear more of these guys just kind of wilding out a little bit, um, which I'm all for. Uh, as somebody who thinks it's all stupid and we shouldn't be doing this. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I will miss them. Um, I think a lot of them do a good job. And like when you hear enough of the really bad ESPN announcers and, and you know, lower tier Fox announcers, Pac-12 talent has generally been pretty decent. They've got some bad ones. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's generally been pretty decent and they did a good job hiring talent. And it's a, Again, a deep, deep, dark, and abiding shame for everyone that it did not work out because of uh, mismanagement and, uh, you know, graft. Yes. All right. This is uh, from somebody. So it's quarter three in the UCLA-Washington State game. Do you know if Washington State has completed their takeover of the Pac-12 refs? Sure feels like they have. This is complete and utter BS. I'm guessing this is after one of the waved off touchdowns. Um, that'd be my guess. Oh, okay. Um, oh, boy. Here, let me. Let me do a couple, I can do this one. Well, I was going to do a couple um, YouTube ones. Real sure, quick. sure, sure. Uh, this is from Snipe Sniper or something or whatever. Okay. Uh, do you watch the broadcast of the Red River Rival Red River Rivalry? Uh, oh, that. So that was. So that was uh, Pat McAfee made it unwatchable. Yeah. So that we had the question on that one already, and then Doug says, "Please discuss USC's attempted gang shoving of the Arizona punt return holding block in the back. What the hell? This was on USC's first punt, and they get Eddie Saplicky or whatever from Arizona State, who was all Pac-12 punter, and he sucks at USC. I don't know what's going on, but he's like <laughs> bad. There's like this punt's rolling. So the punt's rolling. This very first punt of the game." USC punts, which is kind of shocking. They'd scored in the opening drive of every drive this ga- this year. It's sort of rolling. And the Arizona punt returner, I think it was uh, Jacob Cowing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was only a few feet away from it. and the But the ball wasn't getting – he wasn't going to be close to it. And a gang, I would say, since we were in Three. Los Angeles, yes. of USC uh, you know, punt-covered guys basically – Attempt to bodily move him towards the ball to right. touch it yes. so they can then recover it. But then one of them accidentally kicks it, and it goes like ten yards in the towards the USC goal, and 
it wasn't going to work, and they lost 10 yards of field position out of it. Mm-hmm. So it was very weird. I don't know. They bundled bungled a lot of special team stuff. Um, that was one of the... As we've always said, though, um, messing up a lot on special teams, that's the mark of an extremely well-coached team. But I'm, it seems like it happens everywhere. It's insane how bad... Pe- like, clock management and special teams. Yeah, buddy. It's All bad. right, this is uh, Michael in Seattle. Oh, okay. Oh, do you want to do another no, no, YouTube? No, it's fine. You yeah. can do another YouTube. Uh, right, there, we got two more. You go ahead. Yeah. Hi, guys. It's been a year since I last wrote in, I think. Honestly, I took a lot of time away from the podcast last year after the announcement of SC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. It was really tough listening to the comments each episode about how the pack could hold it together from the two beat writers whose schools, like it or not, took the opportunity to leave a conference known for its long legacy of dysfunction and inability to manage the revenue sports correctly for a more stable and consistent payday. We, the fans, all kind of knew what the LA schools leaving would do to the legitimacy of the conference in the eyes of everyone east of the Rockies. But now that everyone seems to have a landing spot, I'm back to listening on a more regular basis and have a couple of questions. Everyone doesn't have a landing spot. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right now, I'm watching the third quarter of USC's miraculous comeback against the juggernaut Arizona Wildcats. They just flashed uh, Caleb Williams' stat line thus far on the screen, which made me wonder, if he does end up winning the Heisman for the second time this year, is this the irrefutable proof needed to say that no one who votes for the Heisman actually watches any of the games, but simply slots in familiar names insofar they they don't totally seem off base? I get that there's a whole redemption story to Caleb's year thus far, seemingly dragging along a Fresno State light roster with his superhuman ability. But in a season where there's not one dominant team across the five major conferences, are writers content on just being lazy? So I would say, if you watch him, you go, okay, who's be- who's better? Like, who's doing better things than him? Like, his numbers are significantly better than they were last year at this point. And in a game like that, where the, the special teams stunk, the defense stunk, the offensive line stunk. He basically had to just do it all himself. So I, I think games like that actually help you. I mean, he ran. For he was touchdowns. he was pretty assy in the first half. Oh, but his I think passing that's, was off. Yeah. I think that's a one off. Like I don't think he's been like that most of this year. No, he's been he's been exceptional most of the year. Yeah, uh, but they have been playing um, teams comprised of guys who look like Ryan and probably are the same age. Right. But like so, so like a Cam Ward thing. So Cam Ward look, has looked amazing. I'm not gonna say he's like a Heisman guy, but it's looked amazing. And then there's a bump in the road, and they're not getting it done. If he was like taking off and running and just figuring out a way to beat UCLA, you're like, all right. So when things weren't going right, like you weren't on schedule, like your receivers weren't open, whatever it was, you just figured out a way to win. Like I feel like that's what Caleb Williams does. He just figures out. He has to figure out some kind of way to win. And I, I don't think he's going to win unless they like win the Pac-12. To be honest, like his numbers can be better, but you're there's going to be people that don't want to vote for the same guy twice. But if you make your numbers better and he elevates USC to winning the Pac-12, then I think he'll he'll probably win. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, also I had a couple specific questions for Dave regarding the Chipster. I'm curious how you would contrast your feelings around when Chip was hired coming out of a uh, lackluster NFL stint and back to college to how you feel about him today. Has his stubbornness in personnel management, uh, high-profile recruiting of the SoCal high school football scene, and ability to bring in high-profile coaches been a pleasant surprise, or have you been more frustrated than ever how a coach got so much credibility for being so average? Side note: I'm an Oregon alum from the late aughts and lived much of my of the and lived much of the things you complain and rant about. So it brings me so much nostalgia to hear you speak about things like closed practices, an unwavering loyalty to guys like Steve Greatwood, and putting guys like Coulson Yankoff at punt returner. Um, so uh, my feelings are a little bit 
different, I would say. Um, I was, uh, I was cautiously optimistic when he was first hired because I was like, okay, it didn't work out at the NFL, and there are some major concerning signs. Um, that chip, that that Chris Brown article about his Niners offense is still always in the back of my mind. Um, but uh, I was optimistic that he would kind of return to his roots um, at the college level, and he really hasn't. Um, he hasn't ever really run the same sort of offense he was running at Oregon. But after a few years of uh, maybe the worst experiences I've ever had watching UCLA football, um, it's better. Uh, they've been better the last three years. Um, and uh, so, you know, my feelings have kind of changed a lot over the time. I think now I've got a, a handle on him that um, no matter what kind of winning they do, he's probably not going to try to recruit at a top 20 level. Um, he's going to try to uh, do this with, you know, not smoke and mirrors exactly, but with uh, transfer portal, um, fill spots, hope to do, hope to like kind of patchwork some things and then get a few guys that can do some different things. Getting the defense figured out this year was a major, major plus. Why it took, you know, five years of scuffling to get there is, uh, you know, one of those things that, you know, people always say, um, well, it was three, it was three years ago when this was all bad. And it's like, yeah, but how much time do we get in life? Like how much, how many years do you get? And just, you know, if, if football is one of your hobbies, right, it's one of the things that you like to do. You Mm. like to watch the games. Three years of just absolute dog shit. Like, how does that, how, how do you just, like, forget that and move on from that? It's like, no, that's a black mark. That's a black mark in perpetuity. And, yeah, you can make up for it. Go win big. You don't make up for that with 8-4. and four. You don't make up for it with 9-3. and three. You make up for it by winning the Pac-12. Like, you make up for it by doing something worthwhile. Uh, he hasn't done that yet. So, we'll see. Um, but those three years still count. So, anyway, rambling answer. Don't really have a good one. Also, with Chip now in his sixth year at UCLA, and if he's not fired before then, a contract that takes him through 2025, he will have spent twice as many years as head coach for the Bruins as he did for the Ducks. Wow. I don't know of anyone of halfway notoriety that isn't in the College Football Hall of Fame. I think they already have Clay Helton's spot picked out. In your mind, does he go in as Oregon's coach, having revolutionized the game during his short four-year stint, or as the long-tenured face of the Bruins' transition out of the Pac-12 and into the Big Ten and and beyond? It would have to be as Oregon's head coach. Unless he does something at UCLA, but uh, going forty six and seven in four years at Oregon, I think has to be, and especially the revolution that started has to be the uh, the, the the way he goes in. Um, what do you remember? What the score was for UCLA and Coastal Carolina? Twenty seven thirteen. Clay Helton's Georgia Southern Eagles beat Coastal <laughs> Carolina thirty eight twenty eight. They're like they're four and one. <laughs> Hall of Fame for Clay. Clay Helton, baby. I think it's more of a like where he should be. Yeah. You know? Um man, USC fans hate it when I said I liked Clay. Like I didn't like him as the head coach, but I, he was just a nice person. He was nice to me. Someone you would want to root for, you know, but he just was over his head. I think he's in a perfect spot now, like someplace where, you know, they love him down there. That's yep. great. Uh okay, this is a text message uh from Soul Cal. Um where do I begin? Wilcox is a buffoon. He just can't figure anything out. If it's not the offense, which for him, it's always been the offense, it's the defense. It's special teams. Cal, for sure, has the worst coach, 
in the soon-to-be-deceased conference, watch his pressers, he's lost. I wonder if he would fire Sermon knowing his son is on the team. I doubt he would. He has about as much as much balls as they do in the game of Texas Hold'em. As I, I think, uh, I don't know what he's talking about there, but whatever. Aside from that clown, I enjoyed watching the game. I was pleasantly surprised to watch Mendoza get the nod because why not? We sucked with the previous two. Let's go through the full roster. However, uh, Mendo played well, strong arm, strong, accurate arm, good pocket presence, smart runs with his legs, way too early to tell, but he looked like the most confident and comfortable at quarterback. Uh, I'd give him one more game, and if he plays with the same energy and confidence, stick with him and never look back. Side note, if we don't get odd healthy and get a ball uh, into Hunter's hands more, 100% they are gone. I feel like we have a better chance at winning another game with Mendo at quarterback, go Bears. Uh, you'd win the game against Stanford with me at quarterback, so don't worry about that. Nice. You got another game. All right. Um, this is from Joshua? Joshua, USC's defense. Mm. Hey, Irvin and Patrick. This is Josh from the Midwest. Last week, you guys were talking about the Alex Grinch defense and rightly roasting it, but the problem isn't Alex Grinch. Sure, he stinks, but the problem is Lincoln Riley. Anybody watching the Arizona game could tell that USC had not prepared at all for Arizona. They thought they could just go out and beat them. That falls on Lincoln Riley. When he left for USC, Riley brought almost an entire defensive staff with him and only one offensive coach. How does a coach known for offense not have any offensive coaches that want to come with him? He brought his defensive staff with him because successful defensive coaches don't want to work for him. If Riley had let all those guys go when he went to USC, where would they have gotten jobs? They wouldn't be at a different school on the level of USC for sure. But Riley's biggest problem is a culture of lack of discipline and completely failing at having anything resembling a real strength and conditioning program. When Brent Venables got to Oklahoma, there was one offensive lineman who could bench press 300 pounds for even one rep. So in summation, USC's defense will be hot ass until Riley is gone. Firing Grinch will fix nothing. Whew. Jeez. Wow. We're on the fire Lincoln Riley train There's right now. actually some USC fans that are sort of on that. Um, I just say this. When he took over, I mean, it was a hot mess. I mean, it was they were four and eight. They were awful. He brought in a lot of transfers. One of the most impressive things I've seen is the culture of around the program. Like all these guys came in and they all seemed to just be on the same page. And, you know, the fact that Travis Dye was like one of the leaders on the team when he came over from Oregon, he's whatever reason, he's made it work, you know. Um, and I'm no strength and conditioning expert. Guys seem to like, you know, Benny Wiley, who they have, and they brought over from Oklahoma. Um, I think if you hear stuff out of Oklahoma, and it's great. Oklahoma got a huge win over the weekend. They were 6-7 and seven last year. It's like you're playing, like, am I going to date someone hotter than my ex? And, like, there's always going to be that sort of comparison. But anything that was said about Lincoln Riley after he left was not going to be positive because there was a lot of um, just really hurt feelings uh, when he went. So I – I think some, there could be some truth to some of the stuff you said, but I think that's going like, you know, way too far. Like he's got Cliff Kingsbury on his staff, like the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I mean, people know he's he's good at offense. You can say if he's not good at this or that or whatever, but they, USC had the number one offense going into this week. I don't know what it is now, but it's still um, number one. It's still number one. Okay, I mean, it's like there USC fans, Dave. There would be like, I, I don't like this guy. I'm like, wait, what? Like. Compared to what you had, it's like insanely. Like, I will say, I did make the fearless prediction last year that if he didn't get the defense corrected, this is USC. Like they're not, 
USC fan is very particular about the type of winning football they like to see. That's true, yeah. And uh, if it's uh, not tough and it's not defensive-oriented, fan gets upset real quick. Um, you know, those Pete Carroll teams, they they had some good offenses, Norm Chow. They also locked your ass up. Um, yeah. So he's got to get that figured out. First, just to do the thing that USC hired him to do, which is actually win a natty. Um, he's not going to do it with a defense this bad. It's just not going to happen. But it's also year two. Like... Yeah, but it's the same defense. Like, like it's Chip it, Kelly's had amazing offenses, right? Like, yeah, Marcus Mariota. Like, they haven't come close to winning a Heisman or anything at UCLA. He year one wins the freaking Heisman. Like, I, I mean, no, totally. I'm willing I, I, to give him some time to like. Oh no, totally, totally. People are saying like you, you're not. This isn't a national championship defense. Like, no, it's not. No, he, but he needs to figure it out, and it should yes. have been obvious. Here's the problem. It, it, it should have been. It should have been obvious after last year. Defense is not going to cut it. We're not seeing the level of coaching we need on that side. This needs to change. Yeah, and I think a proactive head coach who's like ass is on fire to win, like it's you know the 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 self administered hot seat where they are feeling embattled and they actually want to win uh, at that high of level would have made that change. Yeah, but I think he's he's got some stubbornness to him. I think he's got some like you know, well, this is my friend. I'm gonna I'm gonna let him see if he can work it out. Uh, that's my Lincoln Riley impression. Was yeah. it pretty good? That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's 40 years old. Yeah. Like, Nick Saban had, did dick by the time he was 40 years old. Like, this guy's won four conference championships, a um, couple college football playoffs, won three Heismans and had a runner-up. He's he's a young head coach. He's, like, figuring this crap out, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when people are just like, I mean, how many – of the 131 programs or whatever it is would trade their coach for Lincoln Riley. Like most of them. Um, and some of the stuff is just, I don't get like, yeah, maybe they lose three, four games at the end of the season. And you could say, okay, well, they, they would have had a better year with, with this generational talent. If you had a better defense um, and he'll probably go out and hire someone good and, and kind of fix it from there. But, but Willie, Oh, I mean, and yeah, and if you don't, then that's on you, like as a head coach. That's so definitely on you. The situation right now is uh, USC has the number one offense and the number 61 defense in the uh, SP Plus uh, rating system. Last year, it was the number one offense and the number 87 defense. Um, but I will say the defense is trending worse, not better it's over the last worse. three weeks yeah. um, and is continuing to drop. And it wouldn't be shocking to me. To see them end up in the same level if that slide is not arrested. Yeah, if it gets if it's the same as last year, that's bad. It's but it's trending that way. It's better than last year, but you had some cupcakes to start. It, yeah. Cupcakes to start, and also uh, preseason expectation that they would be a lot better because of the personnel they added uh, was so preseason projections are still factoring into a lot of these systems. Yeah, if you took them out, they'd probably be right at the same level. So they got to figure that out anyway. Um, what's next? Carhartt uh, from Hank. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I've recently started catching the podcast of Champions on YouTube mm-hmm. and noticed something. Mm-hmm. Irvin, I mean, uh, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> we just, it's like every email refers to Irvin. Appears to wear a blue Carhartt shirt every show. Not what? today. Not today what? I was going to say bitch, but that's not a nice thing to say. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, question, is it the same one, or does he have a closet full of the same shirt? Is he sponsored? Will they give gift cards for five-star reviews like Jockey did during the golden years of the POC? Anyway, Oregon's logo is a toilet seat. Go Beavs. As I've shared 
uh, I have four or five of these. Mm. Uh, there was a great deal, and uh, they're good shirts. I try to wear I try to wear different. So I wear a lot of two four seven shirts. I don't. Uh, Today's Ballast Point. I don't give a lot of thought to it. Have you been to Ballast Point? The the, the brewery? brewery. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like this it. is from Jamie. Okay. Worst coaching mistake ever. Oh, I got a video for this. Diane and Rave. It's been discussed at length how bad coaching overall has been in the Pac-12 over the last 10 to 15 years. On Saturday, I saw what I believe is the worst coaching mistake I've ever seen as a college football fan. You may have already talked about this on today's show, but in case you haven't, former Pac-12 coach Mario Cristobal decided to run the ball instead of oh. kneel it with a fresh set of downs under two minutes to go and Georgia Tech having no timeouts. Of course, Miami fumbled and allowed Georgia Tech to score the game-winning touchdown, making Oregon fans smile, but simultaneously remember the 2018 Stanford and 2019 Auburn games. My question is, can you think of a worse coaching mistake than this? I think even Carl Durrell and Clay Helton couldn't have pulled this off. No, no, no. UCLA has been a big fan of the boring coaching mistake, which is nonetheless extremely maddening, which is like punting from like the opposing team's 33-yard line. Mm, yeah. like they've been a big fan of that over the years. But I can't remember something this egregious at the end of a game. This is truly um, otherworldly stupidity. It was, a, it was, yeah. Like when it actually, the decision cost you the game, um, it's tough to be worse uh, than that. Um I actually put up, uh, oh, he says, uh, Borbo says, does watching the podcast on a TV-sized computer monitor count as watching it on TV? Mm. I think if you're if we're that big, I think it counts. Yeah, anything to make us make our faces bigger. So I played this video accidentally, the one email too early, but I'll play this again. Um, so this is Arizona State and Colorado, and the question uh, was from Peter. Hey, Ryan David. Thoughts on the hit from Scadabo at the end of the Colorado-Arizona State game? Uh, it doesn't seem to have received any attention, but seems borderline unnecessary. And David, I don't know if you can see it. I'm watching it. Okay. Um, yeah, it didn't. So just running out. The, it was I think it was a kickoff, right? Or just running out the clock or a punt or something. And then Scadabo looks kind of upset and then just kind of runs across and just decks somebody if you're listening on the podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, one of those frustration things that happens at the end of a physical game. Completely can't have it. Should be uh, disciplined. Yeah, I wonder if he will be. Yeah, especially now that it's, we've broadcast this on our huge. Network. Yeah, I mean we got a huge platform. Yeah, but that's that, yeah, you can't have that. That's a complete. I mean, more or less a blindside hit. Certainly, he's not expecting to get hit at that moment. And it was weird because it sort of just like you know, just sort of seemed like his body language was like, Ugh. and then I don't know if something happened, but the guy's like. 10, 15 yards away, he just runs over and trucks him. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be like, you know, someone said like, hey, screw you, Scadabo, or something. Like, I don't think that would have, you wouldn't be able to hear that. Yeah, that was you can't case. have that. Yeah. Uh, LR or BV? This is from uh, John Lobb. Hey, guys, I have two questions. First, are USC fans thinking that their program would be better off with uh, Brent Venables from Oklahoma? Second, why can't Lincoln Riley just admit that his team is underperforming? He tried to convince us that the defense is the reason they won the game. I know my eyes are not trained very well, <laughs> but they know what they see. USC was down 17 nothing to a team that was plus 20 and a half. Jesus Christ. Last thought. Stop overthinking the new name of the podcast next year. Just call it the former podcast of champions. I'm getting tired of stating the obvious. Five-star podcast, by the way, sort of. Thanks. No, I don't think USC fans would want Brent Venables. Like, um, maybe some. But holy cow, like, does it? Feel, I know you're enjoying the trolling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It seems like there might be a little bit overreaction to 
a dude that's seventeen and three and six and zero. Oh. With yeah, like I think I, I think it was. It's like holy cow! It's, I think it's um, a lot of people. I think assumed it would be a different story than it was at Oklahoma for Lincoln Riley, and so far for it through a year and a half, it's the same story. Yeah, um, and I think that's the part where like you probably had fans who were a little skeptical when he was hired, just from well, he's going to be really good, but is he going to be a national title level because he wasn't there at Oklahoma? And now they're having that reinforced, so they're coming a little bit more out of the woodwork. And that's not to say they're wrong. They might end up being right. It's just when a coach is 17 and 3, it's hard to like it's hard to be negative about it and sound sane. <laughs> like you you sound and like I the thing is like I'm big on like looking at the underlying factors and all that kind of stuff. And for me, like uh, skepticism that they're ever going to reach natty level under Lincoln Riley, I think is completely valid. And sure. through, through a year and a half, I think you could say you've got some data in your favor, but like, okay, USC. I mean, how many titles are we looking at in the last? I don't know. Do you know how many playoffs USC's made? <laughs> None. Do you know how many conference championships they won in the last like decade? One. Like, well, okay. So for you sorry, to expect before, like a net, like he can he was like a hamstring injury away from winning the Pac-12 last year and making the playoff. Like, right. He won the Heisman. It's like. Okay, so if they go, I, I was I told all the USC fans like if they win the Pac-12 and go to the playoff and get trucked by Georgia, say that's a pretty amazing season. Like they haven't been close to this. Like you have to go from climb up from the clay. So I, hate, I hate I hate to do this because uh, uh, people do it about UCLA basketball all the time. But like before Pete Carroll and since, so there were basically like a, a really awesome three year run there, right? 2003, 2004, 2005. I mean, they went to seven straight BCS games. Sure, sure. So. But okay, call it whatever you want. Yeah. One coach. But before that, it was, I think the last time they were really, really good was 1978, was the last national championship before that. Uh, yeah. And they haven't been back there since. So it's basically the Carroll era and then like 20 years of shit before that. And then more yeah, or like less. Marcus Allen and stuff in the 80s, but they didn't win a title. Sure. Yeah. And then like 15 years of dog shit since then. Um, so. Okay, I'm, and I'm not saying USC's expectations should be anything less than winning a national championship, but you're going to win more than likely an average of like 10 games a year with Lincoln Riley. Right, like like an average. You're nationally relevant again. Like, yeah. You have to go from like the doldrums to nationally relevant, and then you can nitpick about, oh, he's not good enough to win a title. Like, crap, just try to win a Pac-12 championship. I mean, I, I don't get Some of the stuff, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like. Would you tell fans like hire Lincoln Riley over Chip Kelly? You know, like, yeah. I mean, people are. I, I've had people like saying like, "Well, Clay Helton won a Rose Bowl," and I'm like, Lincoln Riley and Clay and, and Lincoln Riley lost the Cotton Bowl. I'm like, okay, um, you need to, you need some checking there. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, if, I think there's you could have more valid criticism if they lose like three of the last six games or something. Um, but I don't know, we'll see. Whatever. Okay, we got a couple of YouTube questions. Colt, uh, thoughts on Washington trying to join the Pac-2 lawsuit to kill it? How chippy does the Apple Cup get on 11-25 if the flimsy leg Washington is trying to stand on holds up in court? I haven't followed this. I don't get when anyone's like fighting. Why are you fighting? I don't. I, I so I I read it and honest to God, my eyes glazed over. I didn't really. Uh, they're making some bullshit legal argument uh, about 
like standing and all this other stuff. And I'm just, I, I can't, I can't pay attention to this. I can't imagine it's going to hold up. Like what are the, what I, I don't get, like, why are you fighting this? Like you're, 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 you're going to the big 10 and you're going to fight over some million dollars or something that the Washington state and Oregon state would get. I'm I mean, not, I'm the, the lawyers have arrived. They want their money. Chris says, what are the odds Grich is fired at the end of the season? Uh, I think if they don't go to the Pac-12 championship, he'll be fired. If not, if uh, The he, question isn't whether he's fired at the end of the season. The question is, at what point from now until the end of the season is he fired? I just don't see him doing that. He, I mean, uh, they, they should be canning his ass right now. No, I think that's a valid you know, point. Um, I just, I don't see Lincoln Riley doing something like that. He's, uh, coaches can be stubborn. I don't know if you know this. Mm. Have you heard about this before? Never. Um, yeah. So they make decisions. It's like our message boards. You know, if somebody can, if someone posted on bro and said, Dante Moore is an overrated piece of crap. He's never going to be good. We should be starting whatever garbage brother you got. Um, and then, and and Dante Moore, like, wins the Heisman as a freshman. Mm-hmm. The dude that posted he sucks would be still telling you why the Heisman's a, a terrible award. He just wasn't, they didn't win a national champion. Like, he's going to give you all the reasons why he still thinks Dante Moore sucks, even though he went out and proved that he doesn't suck. He would much rather say, as a UCLA fan, I was right about my take. Then just embrace the fact that you just win a freaking Heisman with Dante Moore. Yeah, People I mean, that. so uh, that's message board brain, but we get a secondhand dose of it uh, because we have to pay attention to our message boards too much. Yeah. Uh, Joe Fan is not this crazy. Like the uh, the the fans on our message boards are like deeply insane, um, and I love you. We will love don't you don't get me wrong. I love you, and I'm one of you in a lot of ways. Um, but like Joe Fan doesn't give a shit. Like Joe Fan's like, oh man, they won the game. That's awesome. Or they're like, oh wow, Whew, they got some problems. Okay, I'm not gonna think about it. I don't know the defensive coordinator's name. This is fine. Um, so anyway, all right, we got a couple more. Uh, this is uh, Keon in the Bay Area. We might as well just go through them all at this point, even though we're approaching the two-hour mark. Uh, power oh. in the Big Ten. In light of the just-announced news that UCLA has moved an out-of-conference game to November 30th, 2024. Uh, actually, I didn't I didn't see that. I've been recording this podcast. It is evident that the Big Ten did not stand up to USC Notre Dame and will not mandate that UCLA and USC play their in-conference rivalry on Rivalry Weekend. So that being said, my question for you two is, who carries more clout with the Big Ten, conference member UCLA or non-conference member Notre Dame? Oh. Hmm. Juicy. I mean, I think conference member UCLA, but but Notre Dame could get in whenever they wanted. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any strong feelings about that one. Uh, Lynn on YouTube says, is SE's defense special teams, oh, if they're, SE's defense special teams and offensive line stink, as Ryan just admitted, what does that say about Riley and his staff coaching? That they're just the worst coaching staff ever. I don't know why they they hired them. No, I think offensive line have been okay for a while. They were bad against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, special teams. He's made a decision to not hire a special teams coordinator. I've asked him about that. That's his philosophy. That might change after this year too because they've been pretty bad. So yeah, I mean, Lynn is one of the few I think who wants Lincoln Riley out. 
Is Linda a USC fan? or I, I get the impression. Uh, she just posted, Grinch should be fired now. The Bruin, and she capitalized the R, so that's, that's a telltale. So, yeah. uh, David Woods has much more common sense than the allegedly USC inside Troy guy, Ryan. Ah. Boom. Roasted. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Lincoln Riley's a really freaking good head coach. He's not perfect. He didn't take over a perfect situation. He turned it around pretty quick. But I, I, I mean, I don't know what I mean. I'm, I'm doing not, my best. I don't it's, know. It's uh, he's my friend, and I'm not going to fire him. I, uh, I think my my Lincoln Riley impression is really good. It's he's not that quiet. I don't think. Uh, he kind of is. It, uh, yeah, he can't be. He's not bombastic. True. He doesn't have a deep bass, you know, basso profundo. Yeah, yeah. that's true. All right. Um, we got one Sound more. off in the comments about my Lincoln Rally impression. Did you know? West Texas, Texas Mike had a question. Uh, when is Cal Bear and Stanford going to have a press conference to announce that they're joining the ACC? Every other school that left the pack had one. I didn't notice they didn't have one. Mm, I didn't notice either. Don't care. They were kind of like... <laughs> Yeah. They had to beg, borrow, and steal to get in there. All right. Uh, we got another one from Keon. I'm going to, I'll read this one, I guess. Okay. All right. Hello, Dave and Ryan. LA centric questions. Dave, if you were to combine the 2022 UCLA offense with the 2023 UCLA defense, assuming it's as good as it appears to be, how far would that team go? Pac 12 championship, New York Six Bowl, a fighting chance for at least a half with one of the big boys in the playoffs. So. The 2022 UCLA offense with the 2023 UCLA defense does not lose to either USC or Arizona. Probably still loses to Oregon. Gets a rematch with Oregon. Could beat them if it's in a neutral site. And maybe makes the playoff. Don't think about it too hard. It will make you upset. Ryan, what is the future of the USC-Notre Dame rivalry, and do you think it should continue? I know the rivalry between these two has been juggernauts. Uh, these two has been juggernauts. is important to the Trojan fan base, but is it worth adding yet another Midwest road game every other year on top of the Big Ten travel demands? Thanks and keep up the good work. Yeah, they're not getting rid of that. Yeah, um, I don't think they can. There's too many old head USC fans who really, really love that rivalry. And it's it's what makes college football great. Like having that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Georgia hasn't played really anybody yet. They had an Oklahoma game on. Like, their resume would look a lot better if they played Oklahoma early in the season. They get rid of it. The Texas Alabama game, that has that resonates for the rest of the season. Um, so many times, the USC Notre Dame game has resonated like nationally, made national news. I, I don't think you want to get rid of stuff like that. Yep. Just because there's an extra trip to Indiana or Illinois on the schedule. Lynn clarified she doesn't want Riley out. She just wants Grinch deeply, deeply out. Okay. But th- it's funny because you you hate Grinch so much. You, you then you're like, the people get mad at us. Like I'm not asking hard enough questions when we're asking. Like, Wait, holy shit! You're already in. You're in year two, and you're already getting from your fan base on your message board. You're not asking hard enough questions we, all the time. In year two, uh huh. Oh my god, there are so many bad signs. Like there's so many bad vibe signs around the USC program. You've got the head coach behaving like he's embattled and then you've got fans lighting you up for not asking hard enough questions as if you have any role in this at all it's like i always like it's not a few good men i was like you are the closest thing they have to contact with the coaching staff and so you are like a proxy you are like something that can burn an effigy when they are mad at the way the program is run the, the 
can't why don't you ask so i'll get emails like why don't you ask lincoln Riley this why does grinch suck so bad I'm like yeah that sounds good like we could ask <laughs> yeah, that. i think that's gonna go well for you <laughs> after he like uh shot uh poor uh luca out of a cannon out of practice for like introducing himself to an assistant coach i know crazy um i think we have one last one uh you, sure yeah you, you situation to you I can do, that's fine all right uh, just to clarify on the Ute quarterback situation, understandably, you guys are confused why Nate Johnson is considered the third string. First string, Cam Rising, obviously hurt during the Rose Bowl. Second string, Brandon Rose was taking snaps as the first string to replace Cam throughout spring practice and fall camp. He got hurt during the scrimmage in fall camp. So that was the lacerated number, uh-huh. I guess. Third, the pig farmer, after losing uh, Rose on short notice, they tried to prep the pig farmer, but that didn't work out well. Fourth string, Nate Johnson... After poor performance for the pig farmer, uh, he is uh, he has taken over. Even though Ryan doesn't think it's a big deal to lose your first stringer and said that Nate should be considered the second stringer, conservatively, Nate Johnson could be considered the third string, but at the beginning of, of the season, he really was the fourth string, and at no time was the second string. Where would you dollar sign C uh, would be uh, if they were playing their second stringer, let alone third or fourth? Maybe they would barely beat a terrible Arizona and Colorado team, considering they're effectively playing with a third or fourth quarterback and seeing the injuries across the whole team. It is a miracle that Utah is 4-1. and one. Love the podcast. Keep it mediocre. You're preaching to me. I agree with you entirely. I think Ryan was deeply unfair. Um, and I will say this. If Miller Moss were starting at USC, USC would be like 4-2 and two or 3-3. Three and three. Right. But would they score seven points? Twice? Okay. It's not just that they're down to their fourth string quarterback, as this thing, mm-hmm. uh, as this email uh, so well points out. Uh, they're also like down to their like third string running back. They're down mm-hmm. offensive lineman. They're down to their second string or third string tight end. Like sure. it's, yeah. And they went against UCLA and Oregon State, two top thirty defenses in back to back weeks. Okay. So yeah. So scored seven points. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally okay. They're totally down a fine. lot of guys. Yeah, injuries yeah. happen. Score more than seven. Figure wow. out a way. Wow. Even with David Woods at quarterback, score more wow. than two. Uh, all right. What else we got? Uh, we're great. We're great. Uh, if there's any other international uh, geopolitical conflicts that anybody would like us to solve or talk about at length, uh, feel free uh, to drop them in the email heading into Thursday's show. We'll yeah, be recording again in two days. Larry says, long live the cast. You all rock. Okay, we're recording in two days. Uh, how many more emails are we going to get? Questions? And we only we only had six reviews. That was five days. So let, let's try to get seven more reviews. I'd like to work days. on, I think the next show, I'd like to work on India, Pakistan. You want to do that? Yeah. I want to work on that whole situation. Like the cricket matches or some other thing? Just like, you know, I think there's still, there's potential for conflict there, over there. And I think I can, um, you know, shed some light. You're not going to cause more by? No. <laughs> no, I've got it. Okay. Um, well, that's going to wrap things up since we have been over two hours uh, on live on the air talking about, we, we talk about four football games, people. Mm. There was four football games and we went for two hours. Mm-hmm. We didn't even preview. We didn't even tell you there's a special game coming up this week. We didn't even mention it. Number one, number two, and I'm just saying, we didn't even mention that. We still went two hours. Wait, who's playing this weekend? I'm, just, I'm not going to say. We got the tease. Wow. Thursday. Tune in Thursday morning. We'll tell you who's coming up. The, the dying 
carcass of the Pac-12 is going to give you some good games uh, at the end of the season. But for uh, David David Woods, right there, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.